Get inside and lock your doors. Close your windows. There's something in the fog. Meteor ship. Some folks have a strange idea entertaining. They're dead, but they're coming right for us. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Hello, greetings to everyone out there listening. This is 2023, and you are listening to the first episode of the new year for the Spooky Picture Show, where four friends get together to discuss all things horror, and as always, keep it inappropriate, we keep it weird, and of course, we keep it spooky. I am one of your four co-hosts. My name is Michael Felsher. And I'm Chris McGibbon. And I'm Kevin Ellis. And I'm Melanie Mullen. And to kick off this new year, we're going to, it's hard to believe that we have been doing this now for a full year and we're about to start this whole madness up all over again. <laughs> uh, but uh, here we are because we have nothing better to do and we have uh, no choice but to inflict our thoughts upon the general public, and, yeah. which is something that we very much enjoy doing. So Chris, let's talk about what we're going to be discussing on this show. Of course. Uh, well, first, I want to welcome Mel to her first official show where she doesn't have to murder yep. someone to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's <laughs> nice. No homicide tonight. That's great. Well, hopefully not. Well, well we don't know for sure. Yeah. If that's, uh, it's it's too early for that. Yeah, <laughs> we, can, we can see where the night takes us. Uh, so uh, but this episode, you know, we we're starting off the new year. You know, um, 2022 was such a great year for us. I mean, we really. Uh, really appreciate you guys uh, sticking with this thing uh, and with us for a year. Uh, and we hope for more years to come. And uh, also, for we, folks- we made it through a year. I don't know how the hell we did. I don't know how the, there were times where it's just like, we're going to kill each other. It's just the last episode. It's just a whole bunch of people screaming and then a dial tone. And that's all that's going to be left. But we, uh, God damn it, we actually made it through a whole fucking here. year. We, we did, we did. And welcome to anyone new who's catching the show uh, new, if it's popping up. Uh, thank you for listening. We hope you uh, go back and listen to the old episodes, too. Uh, so, um, this episode, we thought we'd talk about something that we all can, you know, have a story about, which is horror conventions. Um, mm. You know, there are there was a period where it feels like there were thousands of them, uh, and that number just keeps, unfortunately, going down, but... I've noticed an uptick. There's some new ones popping up, especially in my area. We've got two or three, uh, you know, that are new and they're exciting because we had a big one out here called rock and shock that, um, unfortunately mm. closed, shut down. And I think it was 20, 2019 or 2018. Mm. I can't remember which year. I think it was 2019. It um, was 2019. Cause I was at that show. Okay. Yeah. I was, Cause I, I remember I ended like up being yeah. at the last one. Yeah. That mm-hmm. we didn't know it was the last one either. They no, sort of no one did. It. No. They sort of announced it after the weekend it had been on that they were done. Uh, and it was heartbreaking for a lot of us because for so many people um, that frequented that show, that was kind of like our yearly family reunion. You know, we got to see people we normally didn't see throughout the year. Even if we live near each other, you know, you get busy. You're in, you know, when you're an adult, there's a lot going on in your life. So the one time a year we got to see all these people for three days was at this convention and then it was over. 
So it's yeah. great that some new ones are popping up and giving a lot of us that opportunity to see each other again. I remember uh, Monster Expo is a fairly new show out here, and uh, mm. they um, they were gracious enough to let me host a couple of panels at their last uh, show, and we promoted the podcast there as well. I thank them very much for doing that, and I thank them for allowing us the opportunity. But, um, you know, uh, the first one, it was like it was in 2021, and I was seeing people after COVID. It was like, oh, my God, there's people. And I haven't seen them <laughs> in like two years because there hasn't been a convention. Get over here. You know, and it was just yeah. like people drove from like New Hampshire to go to this one show that popped up in April. So uh, it's pretty wild. But um, anyway, so, yeah, so that's kind of our, our topic de gras. And I know Mel's got stories about conventions, and I'm sure Kevin's got a handful. And we got to keep these stories be... like where no one can be implicated in any crimes, though. I just want to point that out. Like we can't. Well, that takes out about seventy five percent of mine. Uh, uh, well, unless, <laughs> unless like the statute of limitations applies, then maybe we can run with that. But oh, okay, well then that that gets back about twenty percent of them. There you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, so here we are. Convention talk. Yay! Yeah. So no, that was a, fun. So it <laughs> <laughs> was, was just that long. There's always that little pause. It was like, well, that was great. I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Kevy, I'm actually really curious because I don't think I've ever had a conversation with you specifically about conventions. What was your first con? Uh, it was I was late, late to the game of getting into in cons. I think it was Days of the Dead, 2012. I think so. Okay. In Atlanta. Have you so, gone to Days of the Dead pretty consistently every year? Yeah. It, it all depends on who, with the, the guest list. This is what brings me back. Did you by any chance but, go in 2017? I think so. In February? Yes. Why? Because I was there. Ah! <laughs> How could you forget your anniversary, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> I had to have been there. I was actually there with my now ex-boyfriend. Uh, he had never <laughs> been to a con before, and he was a big horror buff, and he wanted to go. So we went there. It was his first con, and, um, you know, I had a great time. It was a great show. I'd never been before. Speaking, of, speaking of that, another one I go to is Mad Monster Party in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And one day, a couple of years ago, after I met, you know, got to know him, red shirt and felt a little bit, I was looking at my, my Mad Monster pictures, and I got a picture of him in the frame with George Romero when I took my picture with him. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I just, do you have that picture still? Yeah. It's gotta be on my phone. Oh, I gotta see that. That's funny. I'm in a, it's funny. I'm in a lot of people's pictures of George at conventions because I would sit at his table with him a lot. Yeah. So I, I can't tell you how many times I'm like, Oh, there I am. Well, there's the top of my bald ass head. And then there's, you know, and it's like, and I can remember which conventions they were. There's one in particular with Chiller was at a tent out in the parking lot. And we were freezing our asses off. And George signed for almost 12 straight hours. Shit. He just never stopped. He didn't like taking breaks. It was just like, let's just power through it, Mike. And I was like, all right. What like, year was that? can do what I can do. The oh, Mad Monster. Chill. No, the Mad the Monster. Witch, oh, Mad Monster? Yeah. Uh <sighs> 2015 okay yeah maybe somewhere in there i can't remember they all the years blend together it's hard to uh point out when those are all yeah. mel what was your first con uh so my first convention was 
30 Years of Terror, uh, the Halloween convention in Pasadena in 2008. Ah. Um, I actually was very memorable for me for many reasons. Um, I went because I, well, first of all, it was, you know, only 30 minutes from, you know, where I lived. And then uh, I volunteered and I got to be a, a tour guide of filming locations they had rented like a bunch of tour buses and um and each bus got like a celebrity guest and uh, and i made a lot i made a lot of friends that weekend um so it was actually a very um even though i'm not a big convention person it was a uh, it was a very pivotal uh weekend for me and Felsher, I, I, I imagine we're going to dig a little deeper for yours, but where was, when was your first convention? You know, I, I've been sitting here trying to uh, pinpoint. I, when I was younger, I went to, because when I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina during my, uh, you know, formative years in terms of uh, wanting to go to conventions and being interested in that sort of thing. So Charlotte didn't have much of anything of interest that came through there. They had the Heroes Aren't Hard to Find convention which was the local comic book convention. But back then they were very comic centric and I didn't really collect comics. So and every now and then a Star Trek convention would come through there and I'd go to that. But the first horror convention I ever went to was in 1995, somewhere in the Raleigh Durham area. I don't know how I heard about it back then because the internet was basically, you know, in its prehistoric days. And I went up there and I didn't even stay at the hotel where the convention was at. I stayed like a mile away from it for some reason. The reason I went was because Tom Savini was there and I was a big, big Tom Savini fan. And so to, you know, be able to meet my hero, I was just like, Oh my God, this is awesome. And um, I know it was 1995 because also at that convention was an actor by the name of Keith Wayne and Keith Wayne had been uh, Tom, the young Tom from the original night of the living dead. And he was there. And I did see him there. I don't think I met him. I remember he was in the same autograph line that Tom Savini was in. I don't don't think I actually talked to him. But the reason I remember is that it was definitely 1995. Is not long after that convention, he killed himself. Um, And so it was later that year. It was like September. And I think it was the summer of 95 was when that uh, convention was. But I had a great time. And I had never been to a horror convention. I'd seen the ads in Fangoria yeah. for the Fangoria conventions and stuff, but none of them were even remotely near me. Mm. And uh, so that was a great experience in terms of just being able to walk around and see horror vendors and bootleg tapes and posters and all this stuff. I was like, oh, my God, this is like pitched right to my DNA. This is, <laughs> I love this. Um, and so... But then I didn't really do a horror convention. I did Dragon Con in Atlanta a couple years later because John Carpenter was down there promoting uh, vampires at Mm. the time. So I went down there for that, and that was a whole thing. Dragon Con takes over all of downtown Atlanta, and you have to walk between like four hotels that it takes, but it wears you the fuck out. Mm. I could never do it now, but back then I barely survived it. Um, But I got to meet John Carpenter down there, and... um, and then the horror convention thing didn't really start for me until I moved up to Michigan and worked for Anchor Bay. And then I started going to conventions for the company. Mm. And then I've just kept going to them because I Pair really, it's, it's, a, it's like I said, it's a, like I said, it's a family thing. You yeah. know, you get to, to just see people that 
you uh, you don't get to see during the course of the year. There's people that I see at convention. I see more than my my mom, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, uh, um, but yeah, I, you know, I really enjoy them. I tend to enjoy the smaller ones yeah. more than like the big convention center shows because mm. um, it's something a little impersonal about those. But uh, um, so, yeah, that's uh, it was I wish I could remember the name and location of where that show was in 95 because uh, I've been trying to figure out what the name of it was. I, I not long ago, I drove by the hotel I stayed at which was a Hampton. I remember, I recognized it cause it's right off the highway. I was like, that's where I stayed, but I have no idea where I went from here. <laughs> uh, so, but, uh, that was my first explosion. And what's really, what's really raw, what's really sucks is I left Charlotte in 2000. Now there's like two or three shows that come to Charlotte horror shows in Charlotte or are Charlotte adjacent that were never there during the 15 fucking years I lived there. Huh. So I leave and all the cool shit shows up. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, that really pisses me off. It's like I, I suffered going to heroes aren't hard to find and seeing comic people. I didn't give a flying fuck about, but um, so, yeah, but no, that, uh, that, that Raleigh Durham show was my first one. My were first autographs one was... free back then? Sorry. Sorry. Gabs. Uh, you know what? I Mel, I honestly don't remember. Tom Savini was. He didn't charge back then. Okay. But Tom didn't charge for the longest time. Eventually, it just got to the point where it was like he was. I think he was kind of taking heat because he didn't. You know. Well, yeah, because then it makes the other guests yeah. look bad for charging. And I think at some point he was just like, "Well, if I don't charge, it's 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 actually less problematic to just go ahead and charge than not to." Mm-hmm. Um, but back then, I had him sign a Fangoria. I used to have. That was my thing. I used to have. Horror celebrity signed Fangoria covers. I had him sign the Night 90 Fangoria. And then I also had him sign a bootleg VHS. Actually, it wasn't tech. Well, I guess it ended up technically being one of uh, Deranged. I had him sign one of those, which I, I still have somewhere. <laughs> Where the hell is it? Now you go go out. look for that, and Gibbs will tell us about his <laughs> convention. <laughs> uh, my first convention was, um, I think it was back in 2003. Or might have, no, actually, it was 2004. It was uh, Chiller and Fangoria got together and did a show. And I um, I used to do the same thing. I'd see, i get Fangoria magazine. And for some reason, this particular con struck me. I think because they were advertising it as like, you know, this is the first and only time we're ever going to do this. Or it was the first time they were doing where Fangoria and Chiller were combining forces. And something about it just made me feel like I had to go. And it was very special and yada, yada, yada. So it was, I remember I found out right before Christmas and I just said to my mother, like, this can be my Christmas gift. I just want to I want to do this. I want to go to this. Um, so I actually asked two friends if they wanted to come, too. So we, we hopped on a bus in January or, or February of 2004. I mean, it was probably January, actually, because it was right after Christmas. And I went down to New Jersey, and um, it was like walking into, like, a, a place I can only dream about, you know, like, filled with just horror stuff, you know, the... At that time, it was bootleg DVDs, so, like, there's stuff, that, you know, DVD was fairly new, so there's stuff that isn't out yet, like Return of the Living Dead Part 2, you know, Scarecrows, Video Dead, Spookies, I know Mel's favorite, um, all kinds of stuff that, like, Night of the Creeps, Monster Squad, like, these were all, like, movies that weren't available yet, and uh, I remember meeting Kane Hodder, meeting Tom Savini, not paying for an autograph, so he wasn't charging then, uh, 
buying bootleg DVDs, having to like trade with my friend Dave because like they only had so many copies. So like he had something I wanted, I had something he wanted. So we'd swap <laughs> so <laughs> we could get the bootleg DVDs, you know. And uh, I also bought Freddy versus Jason that weekend. It was the last thing I bought. Somebody was selling it Sunday at their table for $40. And it was like two weeks before street date. And it was the last $40 I had. And that's, uh, wow. That was my, what a steal. My big purchase. I know. Right. Um, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty cool though. And then after that rock and shot came around, um, I also remember being interviewed, um, by a news crew about the Dawn of the Dead remake because I was wearing a Dawn of the Dead hoodie. And apparently that meant I needed to, you know, have a discussion about the remake of Dawn of the Dead. So I did. Uh, that's when you were like i watched it 50 times in the theater it hadn't come out yet they it, it hadn't come out yet. it was it, uh. um, they, were, they were asking folks what they thought about it being remade and and um if they had high hopes for it or not and uh at the time I, I was looking forward to it i still i mean i still loved it so but i didn't have anything against it i was never anti-remake but um yeah that was my first con that was the uh and it was a great weekend i didn't want to leave the hotel my mother and my friends wanted to go to new york city because we we're right by the city I was like, have a great time. I'll stay here. <laughs> and I just hung out there for the day, and they all went off on their own. So I actually found a video from that con not too long ago, and there was a guy in it um, who I was talking to. He was a filmmaker. Um, he made a, a low-budget movie called uh, Biohazardous. Um, it was a you know a zombie movie I had been uh, looking for for a long time and you know couldn't find it online anywhere, and it was kind of like this Resident Evil rip-off type of deal thing, but you know everyone was talking about it because this was like the time when there were no zombie movies popping up anywhere and uh, his name was michael hein and uh, he was a really cool guy and i I saw the video and i was like wow whatever happened to him like you know he was really cool he was really easy to talk to he died he had a heart attack and i'm like oh um so that was kind of sad but he's on my he's on my video talking to me about horror movies so that's kind of fun i I remember um I remember the first convention I wanted to go to, um, they had the, uh, it was a Halloween convention for the 25th anniversary. And that was in 2003 in Pasadena, which was not far from me, but I was, uh, oh, I, was I was at that show. Well, I was not, I, I was mm, 15. And so, you know, I didn't have any money. And I think the tickets were like a hundred bucks. And then my mom was like, well, if you go, uh, your stepdad has to go with you. And I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I feel like at that point I was old enough to do something like that by myself, but, um, took, uh, took a little longer for me to be, to be granted those types of privileges. So, um, so yeah, I ended up just waiting for uh, 2008, which kind of worked out for the best because you know I was a little bit older and could take myself. Um, and I just found a way to you know I volunteered so I wouldn't have to pay. Hmm. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to pay to that show because Anchor Bay Entertainment, I think, was a sponsor of that show. Probably that's why I was that's why I was there. Yeah, yeah, but I remember was it the Pasadena Convention Center? Yes, I it think? was. Yeah. Do you know, in all the years I went to Rock and Shock, I never once paid to get in. I was always, I, the first year I worked at a, my brother's, my brother's friend had a booth and he needed somebody to help put it up and help take it down. 
he said, other than that, I don't need you for the whole weekend. I just need you to help me get it up and help me take it down, and you can do whatever That's you want. That's a good deal. Yeah, yeah, so I took that. And then the second year, it was the same deal. You know, I come do this, whatever. And then the third year, was there was there I wrote for a magazine called Scars Magazine. They got me in. Oh, yeah. You Scars, know, yeah. fourth year, it was like I started to get to know the convention promoters and, you know, people who, you know, the um, – people who had booths at the show that you know again the whole family reunion atmosphere like they would have an extra guest pass they just give it to me and like i don't i think one time i paid for a weekend pass that i I bought for somebody else because i was just like i want them to go and you know and i already had my pass and then i started hosting panels and stuff like that so i never you know the uh the key to getting in to a show for free if you don't have a connection or anything what uh you You sleep with somebody the (laughs) <laughs> you sleep with the door guy. No, you did. This is what it's going to be like. <laughs> this is what it's going to be like. Okay. No, you just walk in like, you know, you're supposed to be in there. Oh, Cause yeah. there was one show where I didn't have a tag and I couldn't find the convention runner to get my pass. And I had to get in there cause I was part of, helping someone with something else in there and there was no time to do anything else and of course there's a guy checking the door so you walk up to them to like you just like you're on your own you know don't look at them just like you know what you're doing and then what you do is you fake motioning or start having a conversation with someone <laughs> who's already in the room it's like hey no i'm sorry i got a little bit behind and you just keep walking in and they won't they, nine times out of ten they won't stop you because hmm. they they're just like oh well he clearly belongs here well, you know, take note. So, there you go. But yeah. I would, uh, I would hate to know how much money I've spent at conventions. Oh God. Total. Uh, I don't spend as much as I used to, but back yeah. in the old days. Oh God. Oh God, I blew through a couple of fortunes. So I sure. feel, like, I feel like I've got like PTSD when it comes to spending money at cons because there was, I used to go. Not broke, but like, you know, I went with enough money to kind of survive for the weekend, buy a couple of things, mm-hmm. but I, I never bought anything big, at least in my experience. Like the first show I went to, that, that Fango chiller combo, um, I spent a lot of money there, but that's because like I was a kid in a candy store that just, mm-hmm. you know, had Christmas money and, you know, you know, to, to blow through. Um, so at other cons, like I noticed, you know, a lot of the stuff that I was buying there, I was, you know... It, it, was stuff I could just get online if I or I was getting throughout the year. You know, it was mostly movie movies. Um, there weren't a lot of like memorabilia pieces I was buying. Not a lot of posters. You know, and occasionally that kind of stuff would pop up. So like, you know, I was like, oh, if I go with a couple hundred bucks, I'm fine. That is until one year where Greg Nicotero shows up, mm. and he has these busts of different characters from movies that he's worked on, and of course he's got Bub from Day of the Dead, and he was selling it. Because he didn't, he he told everyone flat out honestly. I normally wouldn't sell these, but I really don't want to bring them back on the plane. I can just make new <laughs> ones. I really just don't feel like bringing them back with me, so I'm selling them for like two hundred bucks a piece. And I didn't have the money. And how I didn't like sell a kidney in the parking lot to get this <laughs> thing, I don't know. But ever since then, I make sure I have at least like five hundred bucks in my pocket when I go to a con. I don't know what it's for. But I have mm-hmm. this like this un this just make sure you have enough money to buy that one big thing that you're gonna see that you're never gonna see again. Yeah. 
and then you know you'll be covered but uh but yeah that was the one time and now since then it's like yep nope you got to have at least 500 bucks or it's not worth checking it out that's so. been my thing too is i don't go for the merchandise i go for the one-offs the custom pieces yeah the things that i really cannot find anywhere else and those things tend to have a little bit of a price tag attached to them yeah um yeah. which is fine i don't mind and i like that because then it's something unique and it's not something that you know i feel like oh shit i could just bought this on amazon why did i bother getting right. it here but and and i i realized i bought way more stuff at conventions during the four years that i worked in anchor bay because i i had a salary position so it was just like fuck it i'm gonna have more money in two weeks anyway so right. what do i give a shit and then when i moved i find i think i moved sometime in 2007 out of my house i had in in berkeley michigan and there was so much stuff stuffed into drawers all over the house from all these shows i've been to and I'm like why did i buy this if i was just going to shove it in a drawer yeah it was like oh my god so that's when i started going all right we got to cut this shit out because it's like if it's just going to go in a drawer why am i buying it right you know? right there's been a couple of poster prints that i've seen that i've looked at and adored and my immediate impulse is i need to buy that right yeah and then i stop and go i don't have any free walls whereas right i don't have i have um, any free wall space in 10 years yeah so i'll just stare at it for a minute and then i try to find something about it that i don't like and then i'll go (laughs) right okay i don't like the way that character is drawn i I don't need to buy it and like then i just it justifies me going walking away from it um (laughs) but there have been a couple of prints that i'm like oh my god and then i'm like oh, oh i feel the I'm, same i'm way. like mapping out the walls in my house i'm like yeah I'm hide it in this room well, something can come down <laughs> or the ones that i they're trying to get me to start a collection like whenever i see a vinyl dealer at a show mm. and there's all these beautiful gatefold covers of all these reissues and i'm just like oh these things are beautiful i can't do it i'll never survive this yeah you know, vinyl is an expensive, slippery fucking slope. You yeah. are really wise, yeah. sir, and not participating because I'll tell you what, wow. I have dipped my toes in the lake of vinyl and it's more of a quicksand. It, kind of, it just sucks you oh, in. Oh, it drags you. It just drags yeah, you. Right. And I know me. I don't, yeah. I don't dip my toe. I go whole ass yeah, no, into something no. like that. And it's no. like, nah. There are yeah. albums that I won't buy unless they come out on vinyl. Mm. And I know. I'm going to listen to this on Spotify before I open the fucking vinyl. But if I'm going to own it, I'm buying the vinyl and that's what I'll buy over. Cause I don't, I don't really, I don't don't remember the last time I popped in a CD. I don't even like half the time. I forget they exist. I haven't bought a CD and I buy them all the time. (laughs) Well, you, I mean, you only got CDs recently down there in Gaffney. So do you buy cassettes too, Kevin? Yeah. Um, Got me eight tracks running around down there, Kevin. uh, There's a few around here. Mel, you're not really like a big collector, are you? Um, you know, I kind of stopped buying stuff um a while ago. I just kind of I don't like having a lot of things. And so it, I kind of got to a point where it's like if it wasn't something that I could use, I just didn't buy it. Mm-hmm. So which has been difficult because every once in a while I do find stuff that would be kind of cool to have, but I have enough things that I just have like in my closet right now that I don't even have out. Um, And I mean, yeah, but yeah, the thing about conventions, like I, like I never get autographs because they just don't make anything feel more valuable to me personally. 
Um, mm-hmm. I much prefer uh, just buying stuff from the vendors. Um, and I realize that because, you know, because I live in LA, I have, I have more of an opportunity to meet people in a more organic setting or um, through some kind of work. But um, I just, I don't, uh, I do not like meeting people from, <laughs> uh, from paying for their autographs. Cause it just feels like a business transaction and it's really impersonal. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, these people don't take the time to like really talk to their fans. Um, mm-hmm. cause I've seen a lot of people who are just incredibly gracious and, and really take the time to, um, to really meet everyone who waits in their line. It's just, for me, I just, I, um, again, like having an autograph on something, like I don't sell any of my things. Like if I buy something, it's because I want it and I want it for myself and I don't plan on selling it. So having an autograph does not add any value to anything for me. Yeah. Um, so if anything, I, I like if I, you know, if I go to a convention and like vinegar syndrome might have a booth there, and I'll pick up some stuff from them. And other than that, if someone has like maybe some cool shirts or, um, but other than that, I don't, uh, I really don't collect things anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I've become much less of a collector as I've gotten older. So um, again, our, mostly because of the room issue. Yeah. Mostly. That's my problem. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what's kind of ironic is when I first started going to cons, autographs were not my thing. I was not an autograph collector. I didn't care about them as much. Um, I got them, but it wasn't like it was something I specifically went there for. Uh, but lately, I have found myself being more wanting to get someone's autograph than prior. Like, there's some things, like, I realize I don't have anything autographed by Kane Hodder, which to me seems seems absurd. He, because He was the first horror autograph I ever got. Yeah, <laughs> I have nothing. Was, was I have C.J. Graham. I have C.J. Graham, but I don't have him. <laughs> And I'm like, and at that last convention I saw him at, I was going to get something signed. But every time I went over, his line was just stupid long. And I was just like, well, I'll get him next time. But I keep looking at me. He's getting older. And there's going to be some day where I'm not going to be able to do this. So I need to get something autographed by him. Um, you know, because I do like my, you know, shut up, Mel. My favorite is part eight. And he's Jason in part eight. <laughs> so um, just prefacing that. Uh, but um but, you know, one autograph that I was not expecting to get, and I, I got it because I really just kind of fell in love with the guy talking to him, um, was Eric Freeman, who played uh, Ricky oh, in Silent really? Deadly Night Part 2. Ricky from Silent Deadly yeah. Night 2. So I just went over, I was with a friend of mine, and we just went over to tell him like that we enjoyed the movie and thought it was a lot of fun, and we watched it every Christmas. And and we were just chatting he was super super nice we were chatting with him and then at one point like he had this kind of look on his face of concern and i remember for some reason i blurred out well don't get me wrong we understand the movie's terrible we Mm -hmm. just like we love it and he's like oh thank god he's like i was really worried i was going to offend you guys i really thought it was a good movie and i'm over here going like did did they watch the same movie um that i made and he he knows it's bad but he was like thank you know because we were singing its praise like no 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 we love it because it's so terrible and it's ridiculous and you know, but um, he was just so nice, and uh, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna get something signed, and and I did. And I normally I wouldn't have even been inclined, but I just had such a great conversation with him. I was like, okay, you know what, I'll grab something. And some of them, in recent years, their prices have really gone up significantly. Yeah. And I, a, a lot of folks blame that on uh, the popularity of a certain zombie TV show. 
it was yeah. it was the Walking Dead turned horror yeah. convention into big business. Yeah. Um, that, so yeah, yeah, because yeah, the, the people went from twenty to twenty five to on 60, average 80, of forty to sixty to eighty to one hundred to seventy. I mean, like I think like Robert England's one hundred and fifty now. I know. Um, it's, it's you know, insane. it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, they're time. You know, they're getting older, so I guess like their time is getting more valuable. So, uh, yeah, Robert England was fifty. Fifty dollars when I met the last time I met him. So, yeah. is that what it is now? No, it's oh, it's more now. than that. It's almost yeah. a double. It, it yeah. depends. It depends. Like, um, I only I only go to conventions typically if I'm there for a specific reason. Um, so if I'm helping somebody out with their clients or whatever, and um, John Kassir, I think keeps his stuff very. Uh, he, uh, very reasonable because for the amount he charges, which I believe is 50, you get an autograph and you get a photo with him. Yeah. That's another thing is there's this whole subdivide of autographs <laughs> and photo ops and mm-hmm. you can do a photo at the table, yeah. but that's extra. I mean, it's all, it's oh, become yeah, no. piecemeal. It's everything's. Yeah. yeah. When they started yeah. charging money to take a picture with your phone at their table, at I was your like, table. Right. I was like, I got to check out. I mean, I get like a lot of people came up to talk, took up time from somebody who's put, but listen, if you're at a con and someone's there to meet you and get your signature, they're not getting out of line because Susie is taking too long. They're going to wait for Susie to finish talking, whether regardless of you get paid or not. Yeah, I get it. It took up some time, but now it's kind of like what Mel said. It feels more like a business transaction and less of a, like I've been dying my whole life to meet you, but I'm too poor to basically to afford the, the cost of the admission ticket is all i had so this is the only memory i'm going to have this is a picture i get to take with you oh if you want that it's 25 bucks okay well i yeah. guess i'll just tell the story you know what i mean it's just like <laughs> i would i don't know something about that really irks me but i get also at the same hand you got to do what you got to do like they're there to make money it is <laughs> a business it's not um it, it isn't a family reunion for them it's a business for them and the you know the people who are there as as goers as convention goers it's our family reunion our party but for the people who are guests it's their business so uh it is a bit of a double-edged sword if you buy an autograph you should be able to just get a picture with it like it shouldn't be you know it shouldn't be two different charges like i don't i used to be very opposed in general to people being you know charging for autographs i was just like oh what a like what a scam blah 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 but Mm. then but then the more i thought about it i was like well you know, they are flying. Most of the time, these conventions are taking place at hotels near an airport where there's really nothing to do um, mm. when you leave the hotel. And they're also sitting at these tables for, you know, eight hours a day. Um, and so, yeah, do I think and I do think people should be paid for their time, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it just gets to a point where now it's like, Again, like I don't pay for autographs. They don't, they're not valuable to me. But, um, but I feel bad even like uh, if I am at a convention for whatever reason and I see somebody that I wouldn't mind meeting and they don't have a line, I might go over and just say hi. But it's like you can just kind of sense there's like an awkwardness when you don't buy anything. Yeah, Yeah, that is kind of a weird, I've had that situation too where it's kind of like, I don't want to engage this person under this context. Right. You know, right. you know, cause like, for example, I've never met Sam Raimi. I've produced three full documentaries on the making of his movies. 
I've produced six or seven Blu-rays of his movie. Never met him. Never. He doesn't do interviews very often at all. And uh, but I finally had a chance to meet him at Texas Frightmare Weekend, I think in 2019. I think it was. And uh, I could have walked right up to his table and said hello. But it was like, what am I going to say? You know, she says, hey, we've never met. Uh, I've done interviews of your stuff. I don't want to buy an autograph or anything. What's up, buddy? <laughs> well, maybe you know, don't say it, was, it exactly yeah. like that, but you could have said, hi, my name is Michael Felsher. I've worked on a lot of your movies for different yeah, studios. Yeah, but, it, but there's a, it's. It's weird. It's, it's weird, weird because. It is weird. Yeah, yeah. Weird, and and, and again, design. like, and again, I wait until, you know, if I just happen to be near their table, you know, I might stop by if, if they're not doing anything, nobody, they don't have anybody waiting in line to meet them. Well, yeah, I mean, that was another problem. He yeah. had a line all yeah, the way to the yeah. back. That, of no, room. that's different if they got a line. Yeah. But I mean, for me, I've never had an issue approaching the table just to say hello, because in my... At the same token, there's still people. So just going, hi, how are oh, you? Sure. It's good to meet you. Yeah. Like, I've never, I've ne- I had a friend who was terrified to meet Jeffrey Combs. Like, Reanimator was his Bible oh. growing up. It wasn't even his favorite movie. Like, this kid worshipped this movie and, you know, couldn't wait to meet him. But then once he got near him, he froze. He mm-hmm. completely froze. He didn't know what to do. It was like he was meeting God, you know? <laughs> and I basically had to push him into like Jeffrey Combs line of sight to get Jeffrey Combs to interact with him. And he couldn't get words out. He was fumbling mm-hmm. over everything. And I'm like, Dave, you talk like a normal person. What is happening? And he <laughs> right. eventually like got, you know, got it out, got it out of his system. But, you know, Jeffrey Combs is sitting there looking at me and him going like, I don't know what to do. Uh, right. Hi, I mean, it's, hi. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he's, and he's at the trying. end of the day, they're just people. Yeah. Like they're just yeah. people. And it is. And it's the, the weird thing is, Inherently, that table and that environment and the construct of the convention creates a wall, uh, mm. whether you realize it or not. And it is sometimes a hard thing to traverse to be a normal person in front of another normal person under those circumstances yeah. because you're bringing your baggage with them. They don't know you and they just want to have a pleasant you know, interaction too. Um, but for some people... They genuinely love meeting their fans, and for other people, it's mostly a, a financial transaction, right. and that's fine. Um, but it's so much stuff comes into play there during those few moments, which is why I always admired how George Romero handled George. Even if he only had a few minutes with him, he made you feel like you were all his whole world for that few minutes. That's right. Mm. And so I saw people walk away from him going, "Oh my God." I met my hero and it seemed like he actually talked to me. Yeah. <laughs> they could have really given a shit about the autograph at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, so, and I think George was smart enough to realize is like, that's what these people really want. You know, they want their item signed sure as a memento, but they want to feel like they had just a minute, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. that they got to convey something to that person. Yeah. And um, it was amazing. I, I remember one person came up to his table, much like your friend shaking. I mean, her friend was actually holding her because she was shaking. She was so scared of meeting George. And George put her at ease in like five seconds mm. and just made her relax. It's like, hey, how you doing? And everything. It's just like, and then, you know, I'd be curious to ask. Now, this was a question I'm sure inevitably that was going to come up. Best and worst celebrity encounter at oh, geez. a convention. Well, before we get into that, I just want to tell you a quick George story because this this really echoes what you're saying. So, um, Rock and Shock, the first year I went, they had a Day of the Dead reunion, and I met mm-hmm. Lori, Gary, and Joe 
who became Gary and Lori became my convention parents. That's kind of how we <laughs> joked about it because I was 15 years old. I was sort of like my friend Dave, or I was really nervous to go talk to him, but I eventually got like Lori saw me kind of like hovering around the table and told me to come over and have me sit down next to her, really put me at ease, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So a few years later, Lori's there again, and George is there, and I brought a portable DVD player to show the movie because one year they were talking about it would be great if we had the movie playing somewhere. So uh, I put it up, and I said, hey, Lori, you know, there's this blooper. I think it's kind of funny in the film where the zombies are chasing after steel. The zombie reaches up for his helmet. It's a soldier zombie, and the helmet's about to come off, and he stops it from falling. And she thought it was pretty funny. And George is walking by. She goes, hey, George, come look at this. And he stops. He's got his bag on. And she goes, rewind that. Show it to George. So I'm showing it to George. And I'm you know, I'm a little nervous because I'm standing next to the guy who made the fucking movie about to point out a mistake that he missed. <laughs> and uh, he remembered the guy's name right off the bat. He goes, oh, that's so-and-so. I remember, yeah, oh, look, he fucking, why did he do that to his helmet? Just like, <laughs> Don't know. And he's just like, well, I never saw that before, but that's really cool. And he goes, you know what? Zombies are conscious, too. And he just walks away. And I was like, he, he thought it was pretty funny. But George was awesome, you know. I can echo anything, anyone, you know, I, I never talked to a person who had a negative experience meeting him. So. No, and you never, you'll, you'll be hard pressed to find one. There was right, only so one time, there was only one time I ever saw George get pissed off at a convention. Some guy, and normally what would happen is if some guy came up with like 20, 30, 40 items Oof, yeah. to sign, the manager, George's manager would take him aside and say, we'll do a private signing later. We're not going to occupy the table time with this. But this guy got past him. And each each individual photo that he wanted George to sign had a post-it note with exactly what he wanted George to say, where to sign it, and in what color pen. Man. And George got through two of them and went, is this for fucking real? <laughs> it's like, I mean, he didn't make, you know, he didn't throw anything at the guy. It's like, this is going to take for, are we going to really do? And then the manager came over and said, we'll do this later. He was just like, fine. God, Jesus Christ. It's like, you know, <laughs> but that was the only time I ever saw. And even that was just kind of like, really? Yeah. You know, I mean, but later yeah. on he made a deal with the guy and made a nice amount of money. Cause that was a, clearly a dealer, you know? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's fine. And, and George had no problem doing that. It was like, not now. And that was yeah, yeah. all this other stuff. So uh, but anyway, but sorry, go ahead. Best and worst. You know what, uh, Kevin, you go first on this one. Best and worst. I really hadn't had a, when I say worst, I it wasn't that bad, but I'll go with best first. Uh, there was a convention in Atlanta. It was a one-time thing because nobody went to it. <laughs> it was called yeah. Twisted, Twisted Fears in Atlanta. Oh, I think I remember that. Yeah, I think I remember hearing about. I didn't go to, but I remember hearing That's, about it. That sounds like a one-time convention. I mean, it was perfect for me. <laughs> what, a, what a what a catty thing to say, Mel. I mean, it sounds like a loser fucking show. Well, if they have a problem, they can call me and we can talk it out. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> but it was only a lot I, of new friends on the show. Let me just say. yeah, exactly. Yeah, Sorry, I swear. Going. 50 people might have showed up for this convention. Mm-hmm. There was no advertisement for it. The only reason I heard of it, because Camille Keaton oh. advertised it on Facebook. And I was like, shit, that's next week. I'm going. It had, um, she was there, and uh, um, Umberto Bava was there. Um, oh. Dreta from Demon, she was there. Mm. But um, the best experience was Linnea Quigley. Oh. Be- 
but I've met her a couple of times, but this time in particular, since the convention was completely dead, we talked to her for about two hours. We just had her oh, table. That's nice. cool. And it was in October. So the, the convention was closed on, well, at, this was on Friday. And it was, they was getting ready to close. It's like, well, hell, why don't y'all come with us? We're going up to the, some spook, the, some haunted attraction in Atlanta. So me, Angie, Linnea, and some other girl, uh, um, Lynn Lowry. What's, remember her? Oh, Lynn, yeah. 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 Crazies, yeah. We all went to Atlanta's uh, zombie apocalypse in my car. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and that, so that was that was a one-of-a-kind experience right there. Yeah. My uh, but, my mother went up to Salem with a friend of mine and I to go see Return of the Living Dead. I, I think it was just one of those like Friday night things where my friend and I had planned on going, and my mom was kind of home by herself. She had nothing going on, and we're like, you want to come with us? I mean, we're going to be out late, and she didn't care. She's like, yeah, I'll go. I'll go up to Salem. That'd be fun. And Linnea was there uh, as a guest, and we were talking to her out in the hallway. I don't even think we even sat and watched the movie, but um, when the movie was over, my mom and my friend come out, and um, we're out there talking to Linnea, and my mom and Linnea started talking about dogs. And the next thing we know, they were gone. They just disappeared. <laughs> they walked off together, and they wandered off for about 45 minutes, and her handler is freaking out because – there's a VIP mixer party she's now 35 minutes late for, um, and nobody knows where she is, and she's not answering her phone, and neither is my mother. So I'm thinking, like, they've one of them's kidnapped the other one, and I don't know where they are. <laughs> so they finally, like, stroll around the corner, like, you know, Cavalier, and just like, oh, hi, how's it going? Like, you're late. And like, oh, 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 I'm so sorry. And there, she was like, come on, let's go. We're going to the party. I'm like, we're not going to the party. We're going home. So, um, you know, we ended up going home. But then my mom ran into her again the next day because my brother took her up to Salem for the day and they bumped into each other. And I guess they hung out for the day. And I was like, oh, you know, my mom's hanging out with Linnea quickly. That's cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, Linnea is awesome. She's, she's, she's really great. Yeah. She was awesome to do that. She's responsible for my career. She, really? I did my first interview ever with her, and she did it right before she had to get on an airplane to go to the to home. She had her bags packed, but she agreed to make time in the in the hotel room, you know, to get this interview done for Night of the Demons back in two thousand four. And then, literally, as soon as I turned the camera off, uh, she left and went straight to the airport. Yeah, that's and awesome. She, yeah, she was very sweet. She is. Very Mel, sweet. what about you? Um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to say. Cause again, I, I don't, I'm not a convention person. Um, it's just really not my scene. Um, I do remember, and I, and I think things have improved since then, but I remember at 30 years of terror, Nick Castle showed up mm. and was just being like a complete dick to everybody <laughs> <laughs> like he showed up and he was like, well, I'm here, but I'm not going to meet anyone and I'm not going to sign any autographs. I'm, ju I'm just here to like, say hi to my friends. And, and I'm like, you're Nick Castle. You can't show up to a fucking Halloween convention <laughs> and then say, I'm not going to talk to anybody. I don't want to meet anybody. And so at the end of the day, since I was like working that convention, I remember at the end of the day, they were like, oh, Nick Castle's going to do a photo with all of us. And I was just like, no, nah, I'm good. 
That was no. back when that was back when Nick didn't do shows. I don't well, think that's under, fine. I don't think he understood what you know what he he. Was. It's very possible that he didn't. Um, but I I just was kind of like, no. If he's gonna show up and and have a shitty attitude about it, then I I don't need to meet him. I don't. Mm. Again, like I, he's just a person. Yeah. Have you had a good experience, Mel? Like a really positive I've had, experience? I've had, I've had lots of good experiences. What's um, one you know, big positive one that stands out in your mind? Uh, well, you know, uh, every sleepaway camp two and three actor I've met has been amazing. Well, even the first one, like Catherine Cam, uh, Catherine Cammy, who played Meg, and Christopher Calais, who played Paul, are fantastic. And then, you know, uh. And I also, I sat with John Kassir at the last uh, Son of Monster Palooza in Burbank. Um, and he's just fantastic and uh, an insanely kind individual. Mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I feel like most people I've, I've met at conventions have, have been really nice people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, John Kassir was great. Nick Stahl, I sat with him at another Son of Monster Palooza. Um, again, like our our mutual, you know, all of our mutual friend uh Mike Perez reps a lot of these uh people. And so if there's a convention in LA, uh, I will usually go help him out for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, I mean they're um they're great people. And uh, I had a really good time with John Kassir. And, and I think, I think the part about having to sit with him all weekend, that was great was just seeing how, how he is with his fans. Like he had a line pretty much all weekend Mm. and he still, you know, he took the time to really talk to everybody. Um, you know, he has some people who, uh, you know, there, there's an issue with conventions. Is it's like sometimes you're you're an actor and you're you're nice to somebody, and then they think you're friends, and then they keep coming back to your table. And mm-hmm. uh, he has a few of those, and he's super cool with them. And uh, I I don't have that kind of patience, but <laughs> um, but he's a very nice person and and is really cool with those people and um. But yeah, that's one of the reasons I I can't do conventions on on a regular basis. Falsher, <laughs> <laughs> um, what about you? Well, the the number of positive ones I've had would be too many to name. I mean, ninety nine percent of them are very very good. The one that always stands out to me was, uh, and it was unexpected because I didn't realize he was even a guest at the show. Uh, an actor, a great character actor named Kevin McCarthy who was in the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers and all of Joe Dante's films pretty much, uh, and uh, UHF, and, you know, just a great Ghoulies Go to College. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, just a whole bunch of... And just, a, I loved him. He was one of my favorite actors. And he was there. And I just turned around, and he's sitting right there. And no one else is messing with him. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's Kevin McCarthy. And he was really up there in years, but he was very friendly. But the funny thing about his table was... You know, most convention tables are nice, organized piles of photos, and you select which one you want, and they take one off the top and sign and whatever. His photos, like someone scooped up the whole table and then dropped it. (laughs) So it was just a big mess 
of photos with no rhyme or reason just thrown haphazardly over the table. And I was like, do you have anything from inner space? And he went, hold on a second. And he literally just dove his hand in <laughs> no, without even looking. Pulled out a photo. Well, I have this one of me and Joe Dante and Steven Spielberg. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, that'll do. And he signed that. <laughs> and uh, I just, I was so happy. I was like, I just met Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> and he, he died not long after that. And it was just like, God damn, I'm so glad I had the opportunity. You killed him, red shirt. Oh, <laughs> I'm really glad you're here, Mel. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to get down to brass tacks, red shirt actually killed Betty White. So, you know, I, did I, mean, I was about to say, I did not kill killed? Betty. I did not kill Betty White. It was Betty White. And who else? I think oh, that, was resp- that was According enough. That was enough. According to Adam Wadowski, I've killed about six people, but no, it did not kill. No. Anyway. Um, so that I would consider my best or certainly one that would exemplify uh, the best in terms of the worst. I I don't really want to say because I am. Say it. Well, no, I'm in the business and you don't want to call somebody out, but I'll fuck it. I'll go ahead and say it. John Carpenter. Um, That's believable. Really, which was ironic because he was one of the first people I ever met which was at Dragon Con in 98 or whenever Vampires came out. Perfectly fine. Perfectly normal convention. It wasn't until years later that I had two back-to-back run-ins with him at shows where I was just like, wow. Um, I'll try and make these stories really short, but the, the, one, the first one was at a show in Kentucky. And at that time, I was working with Shout Factory, and they were getting ready to do a Blu-ray of Elvis, the Elvis that he did with uh, Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. and they were they had done a dvd but they hadn't gotten carpenter's participation for some reason and they said well if you're going to be there could you double check with him to see if he wants to do a an interview or commentary for it because we never were sure what happened if he got the we don't, we don't know we just want to verify like sure well there was a point where he was taking a break in the hallway sitting at his table with some other people like four or five people around him but he wasn't signing anything and i was sort of one of the I was managing another guest that was at the show. And uh, so I was kind of a behind the scenes guy at that show. Anyway, I went up to him. I figured this is a good time to ask him because I'm not interfering with anything. So I walk up to him and I introduce myself and say, hi, uh, we're doing this thing with Elvis. And I basically told him the the deal. I said, "Are, are you potentially interested in doing a commentary or an interview? And again, there's maybe three, four people on the table next to him having a conversation. And then it's him and me. And he very loudly goes, no. And everyone stops. And I'm like, wow. Uh, And I'm just kind of at a loss to what to say. And I go, oh, I'm sorry. Is there a particular reason why? And he went, no. And I just walked away. And and everyone's just looking at me. And as I'm walking away, I'm like, what the fuck was that all about? You know, and it was just really. And then. I think it was not a year later at flashback weekend in Chicago. I had finished doing Halloween three, the special edition for screen factory. And they were doing a Halloween three reunion there. And it was my first chance to actually meet in person, uh, Stacy Nelkin and I think Dick Warlock. I mean, all these people that I had had interviewed for the thing. So I brought my Halloween three theatrical poster and I had Tom Atkins and Dick Warlock and Stacy Nelkin and Tommy Lee Wallace all sign it. 
and John Carpenter was there, but I didn't want to go up to him because after what happened last time. So I said, I'm not even going to, I don't even want to see it. Well, as I'm walking out to go back to my hotel room, I pass by the room where he's sitting and he's there by himself. There's nobody there. There's still show hours, but no one's up there getting an autograph from him. And I'm like, <sighs> all right, fuck it. Why not? So I go up and the guy, my money or what is the handler and go up to him. And he does this. He takes it. He takes the poster from me, signs it, never looks at me once. And then just hands it back to me and just sticks his hand out with the poster. Doesn't say a thing. Doesn't look at me. Nothing. And it just pretty much shoves it back in my hands. Mm. And I, I walk away. And to this day, that poster is just sitting in a drawer. I can't even look at it. Mm. He, he ruined the whole fucking thing. And it's just like, if you, why are you even here? Yeah. It's like, you know what? For what, money. <laughs> Well, he's always, much, he always yeah. he makes it very clear that he li- he only cares about money. He'll participate in anything oh, and, you want him to if you pay him what he wants. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But at the same time, for that money, a little courtesy is not too much yeah. to ask. No, know? it's not. And uh, so after that, I'm just like, it baffles me that anybody would would treat somebody that way who who is like taking the time to to meet you and like i'm like if it's like if you don't want to be there then don't be there like yeah yeah, i get that you want to make i get that you want you just want the money but if you can't also like these are all people who have way less money than you do and they're choosing to spend their money just to get your stupid name on a poster like i mean the guy at the end of the day Right. Right. I mean, mean, the the guy at the the end of the day, the guy has, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I admire him very much for his contribution to the genre. Mm -hmm. Um, But the guy has, has no creative integrity and, and doesn't give a shit about, about anybody. And that's just how it is. So like, so like when Blumhouse is like, Oh, he's going to be a producer on, on the new Halloween. So I'm like, Oh yeah, no, I'm sure it's going to be, I'm sure he was really going to give a lot of creative. No, they wrote him a check. Is what yeah. they did. Yeah. Pretty exactly. Much. And that's yeah. fine. Again, I don't, you know, I, I, I guess that was the thing. And I felt when I walked away from him the second time, I just remember thinking to myself, I'm kind of really more mad at myself because mm. I should have known that's what he was going to do. Yeah. But eh, it was you were, like, you were hopeful that maybe, you Last time you just day. caught him on a bad day, or you know, or, 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 and again, I went, I didn't go up to him expecting him to go, Oh my God, I'm so glad you're here. And blah, blah. And you know, let me blow you. I mean, it wasn't like that. It wasn't <laughs> anything like, but at the same time, I wasn't expecting just here and, yeah. and not even that. He didn't even say that. Yeah. You know, if you're going to just... be like that, like you're like, him, like he doesn't need to do conventions to to do get a by signing or something you do know, a private mean, fi- signing or if you're really that annoyed with everybody if you're that burnt out then just fuck off and retire and like yeah. don't go to conventions because i don't think you realize i don't think he people like him truly realize that there are there are people who would genuinely like me i'd walk away from that and be like yeah what an asshole and i'd move mm-hmm. on with my life right and some people would just be genuinely crushed yeah. to be treated I mean, like that by someone that they 
that they idolize. And it's just like, if you can't at least be decent to the people, then just fucking retire. Stop going to conventions. Yeah. Well, and it's weird. I, 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 I was loath to repeat the story, but it's documented in the Smoke and Mirrors, the documentary anyway. So why not mention it here? One of my favorite people on the whole goddamn planet is Tom Savini. He's become a really good, close, personal friend, and I love him to death. I, he's like family to me. But the And I was a big admirer of his when I was growing up. Uh, I never I wanted to become a special effects guy for a while because of him and that Scream Grades Volume 1 video. And, oh, yeah. you know, he just came off as like the coolest fucking guy in the world. And he was so talented. And I would have become a special effects guy. I only lacked any ability whatsoever to do any huh. of it. You know, so <clears throat> at the end... When I got to meet him that first time at that show I was talking about, the one in Raleigh, Durham or whatever, I went up to him with that Night of the Living Dead Fangoria. Now, this was 1995, so it was only five years out from the Night 90 remake, which, unbeknownst to me, had been a very, very difficult project for him, uh, personally and professionally. You know, he was going through a divorce, child custody at the time, he wasn't supported by the producers on this. I mean, it was, it was like hell. Everything collapsed in on his life while he was making that. And the movie didn't do well. You know, so it was all this stuff. And uh, so I walked up to him with the Fango cover. And I handled it out in front of him. And it's me meeting Tom Savini at long last. And he takes it and he goes, oh, great. The worst experience of my life. Thank you so much. And he <laughs> hangs it back to me. And I just went... And I went back, I went, drove back to the hotel room and I'm just crying the whole way back. And I was just like, what did I do? I'm so sorry. And the next day I bought a copy of Deranged and had him sign that. And that went fine. But I reminded him of this years later and said, I am so sorry. I was not. It's just that for the longest time, it was like a trauma that I couldn't. And it was funny because last it was like last year we were at Living Dead Weekend in Pennsylvania, another convention which actually takes place in the Monroeville Mall. I'm sitting next to him, and someone brought that same Fangoria cover up to him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm people really seem to love this movie now and everything." He had a really nice conversation with the guy, and I'm just looking at him. And after the guy walks away, I went, "So." you can sign that cover and be a nice guy. Isn't that interesting? And he just looked back at me. He's like, what are you talking? Oh, let it go. (laughs) Come on, man. Stop saying, I can't. It was just so funny. But um, so, yeah, sometimes you catch people at at bad times. Well, he's one I've heard horror stories about. But once once I met him, it was, he was perfectly perfectly fine with me. He's a, Tom's been I'll doing be, conventions longer than anybody, yeah. really. I mean, he's. I'll be honest. He, the first one I met him at, he was great. The second one I, I saw him at, he was not so great. And the third one, he was worse. <laughs> and by the fourth one, I was like, I don't want to see this guy again because every time I meet him, he just seems to be less and less enthused with meeting mm-hmm. me. So I, I think. I want to say it was probably actually the first Living Dead weekend I went to. Now, this is recently. This is like five years ago. Mm-hmm. The one, the 40th anniversary show. You introduced us. Mm-hmm. And he was super friendly. And he's been that way ever since. Like, he now, took Tom, me and my brother out to dinner when he was in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. And, like, and and him and I had a really, like, in-depth conversation. And, it, you know, and it did hit me, like, you know, what it's like for him. And I'm just like, wow, like, this is 
this guy's great. Like, I mean, he really just went out of his way to be nice because mm-hmm. we talked to him like a human being, you know? And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There was a guy who came up to his table. It was the next day because he's, you know, it's difficult when you're, someone comes up to you and tells you that they're a diehard fan of everything you've ever done. They love your work. They worship you. Yada, yada, yada. And then they yeah. ask you a question you've answered a million times. Well, it's like, if you, right. if you've, you know, I mean, if I, I say that I'm a fan of Picasso and I, I adore Picasso and I worship Picasso, I would have read every word that man ever wrote. You know, I would have wanted to know everything about him that I could if I was, you know, that level of admiration. So if they're asking me a question that I've answered a million times on eight different documentaries on eight different interviews, I have to wonder, well, go watch that. I answered it here. Like, that's my response. Um, you know, it's just kind of awkward in some ways. So this kid comes up to him the next day. It's like this kid was paid for. I think I don't know if somebody set it up and paid him to go up there and do this because it just seemed like the timing was perfect. But he's like, yeah, man, you're awesome. Like, I love all your stuff. Yeah. Hey, you know, what do you use for makeup, man? And the guy and Tom's like, what do you what do you for makeup? What do you mean? He goes, you know, like for makeup, what do you use for makeup? And he goes like to make it like you mean latex or what? No, no, man, the makeup. What's the makeup? And he's like. Like, I'm what sorry. does that even mean? He's just like, he goes, I don't know what you're trying to ask me. He's like, Do you want something signed? Do you have it? Like, what's going on? And he's just like, No, man, I want to know how you make makeup. He goes, I, you, I, he's looking at me. I'm like, This is all you. He goes, See? Yeah. This is what I'm talking <laughs> <Yeah>. about. <laughs> just like, Yeah. I'm like, Okay. And the guy was totally like clueless. He wasn't like, you know, and eventually Tom's like, I, I use rubber latex and grease paint and, you know, this. He started naming off stuff that he used, hoping like something would spark. And the guy, nothing did. The guy just got something signed and walked away um but it is it oh i've seen oh like i've that, seen yeah. that yeah i've seen stuff like that happen with him where someone will come up to him and not have really anything to say and just come and go oh dude you were in from dust till dawn right yep oh uh, cool yeah and then it's up to him to start and, the conversation and then, and then just stand there yeah and i'm like so i mean i understand it from both sides of the table and yet i have seen times where no, I'm not really even Tom, but a celebrity will be distracted by something while still trying to carry on a conversation with a fan, and it can't help but come off as that he's not as fully engaged. Not mm-hmm. that he was trying to be, but it just ended up that way. And people bring their own hopes and dreams up when they first meet a celebrity or something, and they have a picture in their mind of how they want that to go. And when it doesn't measure up to that, for whatever reason, either they accept the fact that it didn't, or they're like, well, that guy was an asshole. Yeah. you know or something like that so there's there's a lot that goes into something like that and but tom is look I, all i can say is i think and i think it's just it's natural you put a wall up when you're at a convention mm-hmm. and after a while it's just like it, it just becomes it, it becomes pro forma it becomes something that you do yeah. but i've been lucky that i've been able to he's let me in you know, yeah. he lets people in. And when he lets you, he's the sweetest, most kind, most compassionate guy in the world. I mean, I, I just love him to death. No, so it's. it's I, I, I can echo that. For those of you out there who have had a bad experience with Tom Savini, it's you. Um, <laughs> so, so. And he makes and he makes kick-ass food, too, by the way. Yeah, he's someday, a hell of a chef, this guy. S- someday, I hope, to uh, to sample the cuisine there. But uh, oh. I actually had a pretty... Ooh, if I meet him, I'll, I'll ask him, what do, you make, what, what do you make your food with? What do you make your food with? Where do you make the food? Do you, do you lose, like, pots and pans and shit? I can just picture him closing up a book and just walking away like, fuck this, I'm out. No, that, that, would, be, that would be Tom when it's like, 
I'm out. I'm done. Um, no, I uh, my so I I didn't have as negative as a John Carpenter experience as you did, Fellowship, but mine wasn't pleasant either. Um, I know we're kind of backtracking a little bit, but you know that's what we do. And uh, <laughs> I met him. He was performing uh, his concert, and I bought wow. three VIP passes from myself and two friends. And I only went with one thing to get signed. You could get two things signed. I had the Fog uh, lithiograph from Scream Factory mm. um, because Adrian Barbeau had signed it at a midnight screening of the Fog in Boston. I brought it with me. Um, she actually really loved the artwork because it, you know, it features her character. Granted, it's like a you know kind of a silhouette paint, uh, paint image, but it's still her. Right. Uh, so she was pretty excited that like she's being featured on the art because it was always Jamie Lee, you know. And um, so anyway, so I, 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 you know, I bring it to him and I have got my friend's got a record he gives to me to have him sign. So I'm like, okay, cool. So he signs the record and then he opens up the poster and he starts to sign it. And I just said to him, so you know, this is actually my favorite movie that you made. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really like this one a lot. And he goes, oh, so you're the guy. <laughs> and I just went, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I I guess. And then they're like, hey, take the picture. I'm like, huh? And I look over and right. yeah. it's just like, and every, <laughs> every picture we took every, because they give you a link to a folder with everyone's picture when they give mm-hmm. you the photo op. His pose is the same in every photo to the point where people thought we took a picture with a statue. (laughs) (laughs) They were just like, because a bunch of us took, like, posted our pictures and they were like, is that, is he been out of wax or something? Because he's not moving. No, it's, it's the bare minimum required. Yeah. And I'm just like, I started scrolling through all the pictures and I'm like, oh my God, they're right. He's like this. He just, lean to the side away from mm-hmm. the person and not smiling just kind of a half smile and that's it and that's all he did hands in front of him like un- like grabbing his chair like leaning over and i'm just like <laughs> but when he performs i gotta tell you he's happy oh no i mean look i and i don't want to make it sound like i've been traumatized by john Car- i just didn't have a particularly positive experience with the dude <laughs> And I don't begr- at the end of the day, I still love his movies and I don't wish the guy any ill will. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's a, but at the same time, it was just kind of like, it, you know, compare him to like what, how George was, or you compare to him, how some other people are. It's just kind of like, it's interesting how some people just can't make the social contract thing work. Yeah. You know, they just, they're just not able, it's just not within their wheelhouse to do that. Yeah. And, no, I get uh, that. But um, my be- my best e- so I used to tell people that my best experience at a con was the first uh, meeting I had um, with the Day of the Dead cast because that was kind of like euphoria mm. for me. It was just kind of like I got to meet the guy- people from the movie that I grew up loving and the movie that sort of shaped me as a horror fan. But really the best and the most memorable was the second time in a long time I had seen Gary. Mm. Um Gary and I that's, lost that's, touch. That's Gary Clark, by the way, Mel. Uh, yes, ah, Gary. yes, Gary Clark. Gary Clark. Um, so Gary Clark played Steel and Day of the Dead. Um, Gary, like I said, Gary and Lori sort of became like my convention parents at that first convention. Like to the point where, like, at one point, the power went out at Rock and Shock, and all the celebrities were getting fed, but none of the people inside were because there was no way to cook the food. So Gary goes off and like makes me a sandwich and makes me eat it. 
because I told him, like, I'm good. Like, he's like, you know, you need to eat. You're a growing guy. You need to eat. I'm going to get you some food. And he comes back and he makes me this amazing <laughs> sandwich and, like, sits there and watches, like, you know, make sure I'm eating it. Like, is it good? And I'm like, yeah, it's great. And I'm like, I'm scared because I'm like, I don't, you know, it was a fucking delicious sandwich. But, you know, this guy's a, a giant and he's telling me to eat the fucking sandwich. So eat the fucking sandwich. Um, but anyway, the second time was in 2000. I think it was 2017. Yeah, it was 2017. And I walked into the Living Dead Museum and Gary was behind the counter set up and he was next to Howard Sherman. And I, I mean, he hadn't seen me in 13, 14 years. So I didn't have the beard back then. And uh, I look over. He said, hi, how are you? And I said, good. But, you know, how, how are you? And he goes, I'm good. Chris and I just and he and like he just recognized me and he goes oh my god oh. he goes you're you're a man now you grew up and I was just like yeah. <laughs> and he just he gave me a hug and he's like he's like how, 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 I met this kid he was a kid when the last time I saw him he was a kid and like Lori comes in he goes Lori it's Chris and I, she's like yeah it is like wow you know because she hadn't seen me in a while she goes you you know you grew up and so we took a picture we hung out for the weekend and then at the end of the show he had he drove up with a friend of his and uh from connecticut and he was uh he's like so chris like how did you get here i said well i flew he goes chris i'm gonna be honest with you Uh, he called the guy he had he had a nickname i want to say it was bubbles but it wasn't bubbles it was something bubbles no it was it was something (laughs) along those lines um seriously it was was like a war it was like like a nickname he got from like the guy was in nam i think or something like that like that was he got a nickname in nam for bubbles i I don't think it was bubbles bubbles. take cover It was something else. Get down, um, Bubbles! Get down! Bum, bums um, away, Bubbles! I don't know if it was Bubbles, but that's what I'm going to run bubbles, with. Bubbles, no! All right, all right. For the purpose of this conversation, I'm going to run with Bubbles. Um, that anyway. was a mistake. <laughs> I'm picturing Michael Jackson's uh, monkey. Yeah. Monkey. <laughs> oh, no, bubbles, bubbles, no, Bubbles. Get back here, Bubbles. <laughs> don't go, Bubbles. So he's telling me, he's like, listen... This guy all weekend has been annoying the fuck out of me. If I have to drive nine hours home with him, I'm going to kill him. Um, would you mind? Really? A guy back? named Bubbles was annoying? I don't know if that was his nickname. Again, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing here. Of all the um, names you could have substituted, that was the I, worst <laughs> idea you could have had was Bubbles. I'm telling right. you right now, because we are not going to be letting that go anytime soon. It's not my oh, fucking no. nickname. Well, well it's, not his, it's not his apparently either. So he's like, you know, do you have to go back to work? And I said, well, actually, I am in between jobs right now. I had just left my previous job, took a leave of absence, and I was in that leave of absence. So I could do, you know, I could I could go with him if you wanted me to. He goes, I'd really like it if you came with me, and I'll bring you home. Like, you can come stay with me for a couple of days, and, you know, and I'll bring you home afterwards. It's not a big deal. And his wife was at some horse. Um, she d- raised horses, so she was down in the south with the horses and so he had the house to himself for two weeks so he's like we'll just we'll we'll order takeout we'll watch movies we'll just hang out with like a bachelor week i said great and that's exactly what it was we hung out for a week and mm. watched all kinds of we watched day of the dead we actually watched um felsher it did a really good documentary um and we and gary wanted to call him to tell him what a great job he had done i said well i actually i have his phone number so i'll call him so uh you know I'm sure. Hopefully, you remember that. I do um, remember that. And then because it came out of the it came out of the blue, I'm like, oh hi. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we watched Return of the Living Dead because he had never seen it. 
and uh, a fan had given it to him. So he was like, I want to see this. And after it was over, he goes, you know, that was pretty good. But we both know Day of the Dead's better, right? And I went, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, and it was just, it was a, it was a really awesome week because I was like, you know, five-year-old me was kind of squealing. Like if you had told me I'd be sitting in Steele's living room watching the movie with him and his son eating pizza, you know, on a, on like a Thursday night, I would have, I would have told you you were crazy. And there I was, you know, um, it, it, it really was just, it was amazing. And that was my, you know, I mean, it stemmed from a convention. So, um, you know, that was my best time. And he insisted on doing my laundry. Gary was really <laughs> big into doing laundry. <laughs> and I was like, I can do it when I get home. It's not a big deal. He goes, no, I want you to relax when you get home. So he, he did my laundry for <laughs> me and he folded it and everything. So it was like, <laughs> okay. And his son, Matt, was like, yeah, dad loves to do laundry, man. That's his thing. That's been his thing his whole life. He, he's, he's a laundry connoisseur. He just loves to do laundry. He, he, he found it relaxing. <laughs> um. So that's an awesome story. Yeah. I have Gary to admit the guy. laundry was an interesting twist at the end. <laughs> and then he yeah, did Gary my laundry a... for me. He served us pancakes. I, no, he made me breakfast every morning. I felt like I was actually at some type of a resort. Like I really just like, <laughs> I, I really started to feel bad. Cause I'm like, you know, I, I don't want you to like, I don't want you to feel like you have to take care of me. Like, I, but he wanted to make sure that I didn't need anything. And what was really cool at one point, he took out all this paperwork and he just spread it out all over the table and watching him sort through all this stuff was like watching a mad scientist trying to figure out a formula to bring back the dead. He just started grabbing papers from everywhere and putting them in folders and putting them away, underlining where he knew where everything was. It was kind of like Kevin McCarthy and his table. He could just mm. grab from the pile, put it away. And uh, he had his contract from Day of the Dead. He had a bunch of photos like from the press kits and stuff like that. He wow. gave me a couple of um he had a couple of those 45 singles that they had made of the song oh, right. movie. yeah he gave yeah. me a couple of those because he had a, he had a, like 10 of them sitting in a box and he goes i don't need these you want them and i was like was that the world them. in your eyes was that yeah, the single yeah, they did yeah. yeah yeah so i got a couple of those from him and um you know he really just uh uh he he didn't care about he actually said he had a script somewhere that he was going to give me but uh they never found it unfortunately so hmm. um but yeah, no, he he was a great guy. I miss him. But um, you yeah. know, it was it was a great experience, and that stemmed from that that show. So that was probably my best experience. Um, worst. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing the people you meet who become like Gunnar Hansen. I met at a convention, much like Kevin's show in Atlanta, where no yeah. one showed up. Yeah, I was yeah. I was literally in the room with him and Butch Patrick for all <laughs> weekend long. And I got to know Gunner over the, we had breakfast every morning we were there and we became really good friends after that. And every time I would see him at a convention, we'd have breakfast together. And uh, that all started with that one. It was at a landlocked airport hotel in Pittsburgh Oof. that you could barely get to unless you were taking a flight out of there. And so no one showed up. And so it was a terrible show, but it was, it was a chance to get to know someone really, really cool. And, I mean, I ended up speaking at the man's memorial service back in 2016. And it was just like an amazing thing to know this guy. And that wouldn't have happened without a convention, you mm. know? Yeah. It's, it's. Yeah. The, uh, some of the people I've met, like the night of the demons cast, you know, they, Kevin Tenney and I stayed up till five o'clock in the morning, two nights in a row in the hotel lobby um, bar just talking about movies and his movies and other movies. And, you know, the second night 
some of the cast members were trying to like hang with us and by like two o'clock like the last one to go upstairs i think was alvin and <laughs> he starts to walk away and kevin just goes wimp and like, <laughs> and, like and we and the sun started to come up and i was like kevin i think we both got to work in a few hours we should probably go get some sleep and um you know the, uh, he's like he's like i'll be i'm like you're gonna feel this you know in, 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 you know when you're sitting down talking to me he goes, i'll be fine and then I come downstairs like nine o'clock in the morning and he's got his head back with glasses on his mouth open. I said, Kevin, you all right? No. <laughs> I'm just like, like you tired? Yes. And I'm just like, hangover? Yep. <laughs> just like, all right. So, you know, he was feeling it, but uh, he was still great. I mean, no, not yeah. a single person went up to his table, had any indication that he had had an, an all night drinking bender with me. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, and then he stayed up again that night. He didn't even go to bed early. He came out and hung out again. I had to leave because I had a five-hour drive home. But uh, everyone was like, yeah, he hung out till like 3 a.m. And then he finally went and crashed. I guess he was staying for an extra day, so he probably figured he could catch up on sleep on Monday. But, mm-hmm. or, um, but yeah, he was he was a party animal. That guy could, could hang. It, it's interesting how they afford you these opportunities to encounter people. I, I was just thinking of this one the other day. I was at a cinema. This was back when I worked for Anchor Bay, and I was set up at Cinema Wasteland in Strongsville, Ohio. And he appeared in two back-to-back conventions, which was unusual. But he was such an interesting guest that uh, Ken, the uh, showrunner, wanted him back. Robert A. Burns, who was the production designer on the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Hills Have Eyes and Reanimator, Texas guy, really eccentric and just kind of off the wall, but really nice guy. And as I was packing up on Sunday, on the second show that he was, I think, at, I ended up getting into a conversation with him for like an hour as I was packing up. And it was the most wonderful time talking to this dude. But I had to get back because I had work Monday. So at some point, I had to end the conversation. And I felt so bad about it because, like, God, I could sit here and talk to this guy for hours. You know, it's just a really laid back, fun dude. And I said, I'll got to go, man, but it was really nice meeting you and everything. And then he was diagnosed with uh, like a terminal, like a bone cancer, something mm. that was going to like in six months was going to render him immobile. I mean, it was just going to be horrible. And he killed himself. Ooh. And it was just like, I mean, I'm so grateful for the time. It's like, fuck, I wish I would have missed the next day of work. Shit, <laughs> you know, but at least I had the opportunity to meet and encounter this man um, before something like that. Uh, it was just, it's weird that you get these, these, you, 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 to be able to encounter these creative people in, in, even if it's a forced environment to some degree, if you get the right environment, they, they'll let the guard down and you drop your, the pretense as well. And then you're just two people talking. And when that happens, some really great stuff can occur. Yeah, no, I, I, I've, I've been very fortunate in that the folks that I've met, um, that are part of movies that I love have been awesome. I really yeah, have not yeah. had a negative experience with somebody that I was like, oh, I really want, I really was looking forward to meeting this person. And now that I have, I wish I never had. That's never happened to me. Yeah. I Carpenter's, have... my, Carpenter's my worst one. And that's just, he was kind of a dick. Yeah. I you mean, I, I, I wasn't like, I think I've, I've never been a stranger to this. I full disclosure, I'm not a huge Carpenter fan. Um, I like most of his stuff i only like love two of his movies and that's kind of it uh but anyway we've we've gotten into that before so we won't do that again but um the uh 
the, the worst experience I had meeting someone at a con wasn't someone I was looking forward to meeting. It was just somebody I happened to meet and just right off the cuff just did not like. Uh, and rightfully so, based on a lot of other people's experiences, is Andrew Brynarski. Oh, well. Um, yeah, that's a different story right there. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, everybody's that's, got stories about that dude. There yeah. are cons that... I don't know who that is. Leatherface from 2003, Texas Chainsaw 2003. Oh, well, in the beginning, too. In the beginning, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he's, a, he's just a... Then fuck him! He's a... <laughs> he's a total uh, I, douche. Oh, he's, he's... I've seen him behave in ways it's like, what the hell's the matter with you? You know, uh, people have had horror stories and there's conventions. There's so many conventions that will never have him back. Mm-hmm. There's the only time he ever gets a convention is usually a new show that doesn't know. Yeah. And then they find out in a big hurry. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's yeah, the, the last show. So I was shocked because he recently did a show in New Jersey that I went to and right there in the casino lobby. He's asking people for cocaine. He had absolutely <laughs> no shame, no like discreetness about it at all. He straight up was like, I'm trying to get coke. Who can I talk to? And I'm just like, are you kidding? <laughs> it, it, it was just, like, it was unbelievable. Like, it was just like, I couldn't, like, I, I, I'm like, unless you're talking about the soda, which let's be real, he's not you shouldn't be this bold like out in public it's still illegal you know like it's still a drug you're not supposed to have this and you're yeah. you're saying this within an earshot of the nearest security guard like what the fuck is wrong with you um, he, uh, he he alienated gunner hansen right off the bat years ago and so gunner had no love for the guy but when gunner died i remember that barnarski posted just a two-word thing on twitter or facebook boo-hoo yeah oh and i, I was like that. and i remember yeah. that's like Gunner wouldn't have cared. Gunner would have been like, well, there you go. But from my perspective, it's just like, oh, fuck you in every way there is to fuck you. Old. I was so pissed. But at the same time, and then I thought, Gunner didn't give half a shit what that guy thought anyway, so why should I? But it's like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. You know? It's just... Yeah. No, he's... Yeah. I, I almost didn't... I, I would have brought him up, except it's just like, everyone hates... I mean, there's just like... <laughs> No, one's gonna be su- no one would be surprised by that guy's name coming up. It's like, oh, really? I didn't even know who he was. So, <laughs> yeah, you're you're lucky. You've you've been very lucky in that regard, Mel. Well, I remember when he um he did one of the rock and shocks. I, I don't remember what year it was, but I know he wasn't allowed back uh, for a lot of reasons. But there was a there was a really big controversy surrounding him at this particular show because he very obviously was getting head um mm-hmm. at his table what um there was a there was a there was a Boy, girl Mel just perked up there was a woman under his table um and he had his head back and his arms outstretched and all and like it looked like he was like zoned out maybe sleeping or relaxing like that wasn't what made it obvious what made it obvious was the guttural <laughs> growl and scream he let out and then jerked his body forward and then uh. kind of like, you know, twitched for a second like you do when you climax. And then everyone's looking, of course, and <laughs> the girl comes out from under the table. And uh. we're all just like, I'm sorry, did that just happen? <laughs> like, it was, it, and then he had, he didn't, he like clearly buckled himself up and 
like stood up and readjusted himself and was looking around like nobody was staring at him. He was looking over people and mm-hmm. and it was just like, okay, that's that's that. Yeah. Like the promoter of the show is like, Oh, we're done. This is over. Oh, Dude, this man. dude's never coming back. Uh and wow. that was after like hearing a lot of complaints about him being just generally rude to people mm-hmm. and um vendors like he would go around telling them they you know they gotta give him free shit because, you know, He's Leatherface, yeah. He's Leatherface, so they should. He should get this Leatherface thing for free. He shouldn't have to pay for it. And I remember one guy was like, "Dude, they paid you to be in the movie, didn't they? Like, why should you get something for free? Use some of that money." <laughs> right. No, the guy, that guy. Yeah, I've seen him behave. So I remember I was sitting at a table at a convention once in the restaurant, and Corey Haim was at the table too, and his mother. And I remember we're all sitting there just having a nice conversation. He just comes up and sits down. And starts kind of talking at everybody and starts slamming his hand down on the table to make his points. And the silverware is jumping off the table and he's just making a general pest. And everyone's like, who does he know here at this table? And why is what's going on? And then at some point he just got up and walked away. It's like, and everyone's just like, what the fuck was that all about? (laughs) You know, no one, it was just not a pleasant pleasant experience meeting him all around and again like i didn't go out of my way to meet him i just happened to meet him and just was not into him at all was not into his personality um you know but uh again like the folks that i have gone out of my way to meet um have been awesome you know i mean and also a bit of irony to that story is the first time i met linnea quickly she was also under a table, but she was under a table because she dropped her pens and she was picking them up. And her boyfriend, I, I, I said to him, you was, oh, is Linnea coming back? He goes, oh, she's around. And all of a sudden, this hand pops up. Hi! And, she's just, <laughs> and then she, she she comes out. She's like, I dropped all my pens. And like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, yeah, that happens. you know. And I'm like, why weren't you down there picking them up? Because she wanted to do it. She's smaller than me. And she is. She's tiny. Oh, my God. She's tiny. She is. She's very um, tiny, yes. But um, but she was you know again super friendly and very bubbly and and you know just I like it when you meet somebody and they make you feel like that you're the person you're the one person at the show you came there to meet them they're there to meet you and that's it I don't mm. typically like to hang around somebody's table because again like I understand this is a business there's you know the right, more time right, I stand yeah. here the less money they're potentially going to make um but if someone's having a conversation with me I'm not trying to cut them off either I have told people in the past. You know, you've got a few folks behind me. Why don't I come back when it's died down a little bit? And we can keep, if you don't mind, we can keep talking. And they're usually like, yeah, that's great. Like, thank you. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. And then like, you know, then you kind of keep an eye out and see what, you know, what the table's like. Tom Towles was like that. You know, he didn't have anybody oh, at his I table. Tom Towles. That guy was, was great. Yeah. So I was talking fun. to him and some people started to get behind me. And I said, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to go. He goes, no, 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 no. You come sit down. You sit down and yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them. You come sit. And I was like, no, but he's like, seriously, sit down. Like, I, I still want to yeah. talk to you. Like, because we're talking about Night of the Living Dead and like, you know, Henry and all this other stuff. He goes, this is great. Like, you're telling me shit I didn't even know. So sit down. Because um, I already <laughs> talked to some other people from the movie. So, um, you know, it was he was awesome. But that's, you know. Yeah. I'm really I glad was... that you brought him up because I did. I met him also at 30 Years of Terror. And I talked to him for a long time and Mm -hmm. we both had a mutual love of cats (laughs) and uh, he told me all about his cat who had diabetes and 
And, you know, he's like, but, you know, I, I, I do what I got to do to take care of her because she's my family. And, yeah. and we just talked about, you know, just how much we loved cats. And, and that was a big bonding moment for us. Yeah. He, was a, he was a good dude. Yeah, he I'm was. Really good he was really yeah. good. He and I got to know each other well enough that we would do these character voices with each other at every show. We did, we invented these two sort of effete really obnoxious snooty european guys <laughs> and that we would do i would show up at a convention and just start talking to him like one and he would respond to me and we would stay in character all weekend long and uh you know i would walk up to him and go i would say it is a pleasure to see you but that would be a lie <laughs> it could have been much longer and it would have made me much happier you know things like that and the one time <laughs> i got one that he knocked him on the floor and he did one to me that knocked me on the floor I remember he, uh, I came up to him and I said, it has been so long since I've seen you. And he went, yes, I feel very guilty. And I went, yes, I can tell your guilt. It hangs loosely about your shoulders, like a t-shirt made by assholes. (laughs) (laughs) And he he just went, wait, what? What? (laughs) What? And I don't know. And then another one at another show, I was watching his table for him. And uh, he asked me before he left, said, you want anything to drink? Bring a soda or whatever. Anything you find is fine. Don't make a special trip. And he came back with like a Diet Coke or something. And he sat it down. And he went, here, he went, here's your soda. It reminds me of how I like my women. Smooth, bubbly, and encased inside an airtight aluminum container. <laughs> I was like, what, 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 what? I mean, he was just, he was so, he was so funny. He was such a funny guy. I loved him. He was, he's one of those people that's just like, damn it, dude, you make the world so much more interesting. Yeah. You know, what's funny about him too, is I gave him a copy of that Fangoria night of the living dead. Cause he didn't have one and somebody there yep. was selling it. And I, I was like, Oh, I'll get it for you. And he's like, no, you're not. I'll, if I want it, I'll buy it. And I said, I already bought it for you. Here it is. And he's just like, well, how much was it? I'm like, I'm not telling you. He goes, there's a price tag on it. It's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> And he kept trying to pay me for it. I said, no, he goes, well, I'm going to sign something for you then. So what I love doing is playing pranks on Savini at conventions, especially if it's a long haul over the whole weekend. I went to a convention once and bought every single VHS I could find of the Ripper, which was this really low budget POS thing that he did back in the eighties in which he's like credited as a star, even though he only shows up in the, like the last two minutes. And I kept having people go up to him. (laughs) <laughs> with the copies saying, would you sign this? I loved you in the Ripper. And eventually I heard him go, where are all these copies of the Ripper coming from? <laughs> and I said, it was me. It was me. I did it. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, you know, but it's also, and it was funny. I, I, you know, you talk about conventions, all these memories come flooding back. You mentioned when, when Gary recognized you after all those years mm-hmm. and how it, it thro- that throws you, doesn't it? When it's yeah. just like, you know, you weren't expecting that. I interviewed Barbara Crampton for From Beyond years ago, like in 2013. And I've had limited interactions with her since. But I'm a big, I'm a huge fan of hers. I love her to death. I was at, six years later, I'm at Texas Fright Bear Weekend. And I'm walking by her table. Not even, you know, and I just looked at her and she saw me. and went, oh, hey, Michael, how you doing? And I went, oh, hi, Barbara. It's good to see you again. And But this little fanboy inside of me was like, 
Barbara Crampton remembered me. <laughs> and I just just kept walking on. <laughs> I was just like, but it was like, I just was like, wow, that's amazing. She would even remember who the hell I was, you know, but that was awesome. Yeah. So that's, the little moments like that just kind of make your fucking life. Yeah. I was at Living Dead Weekend one uh, that same year that I, I, I met up with Gary again. And there was a guy there that I, he wasn't a guest, but he was somebody I, I couldn't pinpoint where I knew this guy from. I'm like, I, I know this dude from somewhere and it's driving me crazy. And he's talking to Gary and he's talking to everybody. So he's obviously like Living Dead alumni because he's talking to everyone involved in these movies. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of said, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I know you from somewhere. Like, I, I like. He's like, well, I bet I was in a few of George's movies. He's like, I was in Creep Show. I was in this. I was in Dawn of the Dead. And I was like, it's not that. I was like, I don't think it's Children of the Living Dead. You were the sheriff, and he's like, oh, Marty Chef. <laughs> it was it was Marty. He's like yeah. that one, really. And I was so last year at uh, uh, Living Dead Weekend, somebody had a copy of Children of the Living Dead on DHS. It was a friend of ours. Uh, it was, uh, Dan Lowry had a copy of it at his, at his booth, and I said, "Dan, I need this." And he's just like, "Oh, <laughs> okay, man, you can have it." And I said, "No, I'm like, I'm, you're not getting it back. I need it for something." Uh-huh. And he's like, "What you? Why? What are you doing?" And I looked over at Marty, <laughs> and he goes, "Go for it." So I bring, <laughs> I bring it over. To, I'm, I'm walking with behind me. I said, "Hi, Marty. What's going on?" He goes, "Hey, Chris, how you doing?" I said, "No, not bad, not bad." Hey, so I got something for you, and he's like. Oh yeah, what you got? And I pull it out, and he's like, "Oh fuck me!" <laughs> <laughs> just like, really? Do you really want me to sign this? And I said, "No, I just wanted to see what you do when you had it in your hands." He goes, "Yeah, it kind of burns a little. Do you want to take this back?" <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and Tom's right across. He goes, "Hey, Tom!" And he right. goes, "Oh, that piece of shit! Look at that!" And I'm just like, <laughs> and, and, I, and he's like, "Whose is that?" And I said, "It's not mine. It's Dan's." And Dan's like, "No, it's not mine. It's Chris's." Like, Nobody wants to hold credit for it. No. We're trying to pass it off. But uh, but yeah, that that was you know that could be fun too when you recognize them from something that they're not particularly proud of. But you know he had a good sense of humor about it. Um, oh, he does. They they all do. Oh, yeah. here's a little here's a little tip for anybody out there. If you really want to get under Tom Savini's skin, if you see him at a convention, go, go up to him and say, "Hey, weren't you Trash Man Number Two from Creepshow?" Because Marty Schiff is credited as number one. <laughs> so if you go on and say, you're trash man number two, huh? Yeah. Is trash man number one here? here? I really have always wanted to meet him. <laughs> and it's just like. <laughs> Especially if Marty's sitting there because he delight. It's delightful. Yeah. Anything you can do to just drive him nuts. Savini nuts is a lot of fun. It's a very fun activity to do. What makeup do you use? <laughs> yeah. How do you use makeup? Yeah. How do you, it was how do you make makeup was the question. How do you make makeup? What do you yeah. make your makeup with? Yeah, oh, exactly. What do you make what do you make food with? Yeah. Food. <laughs> and I'm sure that guy probably went back and said, Tom Savini was a dick. He didn't, yeah. I asked him what he make his makeup and he didn't know what he said. I honestly feel like he was probably he partook in some libations prior to the show uh, i don't think that guy knew what planet he was on so whether or not uh, he even remembered meeting tom savini is anyone's guess uh he probably walked away from that experience not knowing what happened had transpired in the first place yeah so i mean and it, I've, but i've uh, seen that i've seen variations of that guy come up to tom and say something and tom is just like i 
someone please tell me the thing to say here. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't, what's the, what's the, what's the answer to this equation? I Tom don't. Just, Tom just needs like a phone book, but it's like one of those like old school, like phone books, with like, you know, the names in it, but instead he flips right. to like a letter of the alphabet that starts with the word that he doesn't know how to respond to the question. Like, okay, they're asking, uh, here we go. And then he just starts reading it off. Like, you know, just yeah. eventually it's just going to be like, you know, 6,000 pages and he's going to have to plop it up on the table and, you yeah. know, just flip through it like a you know a bible yeah there's people you just want to send out to the lab you know, <laughs> just like can you translate what the hell's going on here because i don't know what the hell or to pasture yeah. who moved the rock <laughs> who, who are you people <laughs> <laughs> don't make me call ringling brothers <laughs> um no i mean conventions are great i mean you know in you, you, there's a lot of positive to them and you know there is some negative unfortunately mm-hmm. and you know I mean, I've run into the negative, you know, mostly with just um, a handful of experiences have been negative at cons. But generally speaking, for the most part, like it, the positive very much outweighs the negative. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, even, you know, it, it just you always run into somebody, you know, and mm-hmm. you always it's they're always just as glad to see you as they were the year before. Um, you know, and I'm. And, it really just kind of like, and you could go the whole year without ever speaking to each other, without ever uttering a word to one another. And it's like, Hey man, Oh my God, it's so, it's so good to see you. And like you get a hug and they sit down. It just doesn't matter. Like no time has passed, you know, you're just there and it's great. And um, you know, I really am glad we have these things because I, I think that, you know, it does work in a lot of ways of helping to bring the community closer together. Mm -hmm. Uh, locally especially i didn't know there was anybody else in massachusetts that liked horror movies until i went (laughs) to a horror convention that was in massachusetts i never met anybody in school that was into horror like i was Mm -mm. but here i am in a room full of people yeah Yeah. same thing you know we're all into the same stuff and it's like holy crap this is crazy that was my first impression of that first show i went to it's just like these are all people like me yeah and we're all looking at the same things and going "Ooh, ah and it's like it was really, it it did make me feel like, oh, there is a larger community out there that I'm not, it's easier these days with the internet to find that community. But back in the nineties, you know, midnight was not at all. So that convention was sort of the first clue I had that, oh, there's a lot, I'm not as weird as I think I am. You know, I think that there's actually a whole subset of people out there who really are into this shit. And I just, it's amazing how at home I felt. Yeah. right away when i was in that environment because it's like i'm not gonna be judged here that's for damn sure you know <laughs> so. yeah that's the way i feel i agree mel have you ever um have you ever run into like okay so you're you know a situation at a con something that's really negative a negative situation at a convention yeah besides nick castle Oh, um, I mean, oh, well, I mean, so this last uh, monster palooza, there was some drunk girl walking around and she fell down like uh, right in front of John Kassir's table and we had to like have her escorted away. But then like five minutes later, someone said they saw her at the checking counter with the guy she was hanging out with and they were getting a room. Mm. Like apparently I thought they were together, but apparently they had just met 
because he t- he was taking pictures with his phone and was like, oh, give me your number. I'll send these to you. Mm-hmm. And then five minutes later, and she like was literally like not able to walk. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then someone was like, oh, yeah, I just saw them at the uh, I heard them talking in the hallway. And she was like, oh, do you want to get a room? And he's like, OK. Hmm, and I'm like, eh, somebody should have inter- yeah. maybe should have intervened there um but uh but yeah i mean it's as i mean there's always problems at conventions like when are there when are there not like it's uh and and i hear about you know if i'm there in like uh some sort of a work capacity you know i get word of like the things that are going on around the convention like uh I think the I think the time I was at Days of the Dead in Atlanta, I think that was the same weekend that John Cusack was there. But mm. apparently, he it was kept, yes, yeah. Apparently, he kept uh, leaving his table and was gone for like a big majority of the time. <laughs> so i I think the convention was trying to. Uh, was trying to avoid having to pay him his guarantee because they were like, mm-hmm. you were leaving for hours at a time. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I don't, I, I don't do a lot of conventions uh, just because I, it's just not, it's just not my scene. Um, I tend to, of course, like I am a fan of, you know, I'm a big horror fan and whatnot, but fandom in general tends to get very annoying to me. And uh, again, and you really see it when you're, you know, sitting with a guest at their table. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is why I don't go to stuff because I can't <laughs> stand like a majority of these people. They're just too much. They have no like they can't take any social cues. They have like no awareness of anything. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, Mel, I really hope in a way that you don't become famous because of this podcast and that you don't end up being a guest at a convention. Do you really think you, that's going to happen? I mean, I'm not saying it, but let's say in an alternate reality where that does happen, you would be <laughs> the worst celebrity guest to ever be at a table because people come up. I'm a big fan of yours. Why? <laughs> it would only get no, like it's like a real mo- stupid fucking question. There's a lot. I know. I mean, there's a lot of people there who are very pleasant and and nice to talk to. But then you also have a lot of people who come up and they start. Oh, when I oh when I grew was growing up, like I watched I watched your your movies with my with my mom and. Oh, and now she's dead and and it's just oh, it's oh, this is just you're such an important person to me and I'm just I'm like uh I can my, yeah, see if that person came out to you Mel, you'd be like, nah, I'm sorry, but you're, you're going to need to shut the fuck up." <laughs> there a point to the story. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> But no, I mean, those are fun, but you get, I mean, you get so many of those and it's almost, sometimes I feel like the people are making that are making it up to like get free stuff or something. I don't know. I just do. That's the impression I get. Like, uh, I'm sure I'm wrong, but I'm kind of, there are some people I'm like, I think this person's full of shit. 
I think they're trying to get a sympathy autograph. I know. I was like, oh, that was my mom's favorite movie. And she died in a horrible blimp accident last year. And uh, her last thing she said was, please, please get a free thing from Tom Savini's table. And Mel's like, you're full of shit. Like, they'll have a Mel Get away. Get away, Reese. You're a fucking liar. I'm glad your mom died in a blimp. She'd be like, what year were you born? 1986? Well, if she hadn't died in 1985. Right. There have been some weird events that have happened at some of the shows I've been to. One, one there was a show called Horror Find in Baltimore. They don't have it anymore. Oh, I remember, I remember hearing about Horror Find. Yeah, Monster Mania has taken over the hotel that they used to do that show at. The Hunt Valley uh, Marriott. And... Uh, I went there, I think, four or five years straight. Three of the years I was there, the same two lesbians were getting a punching fight in the lobby <laughs> at one o'clock in the morning. I swear to God, the same two lesbians would start beating the shit out of each other in the lobby by this big planter three years in running. So much so that you were just like, oh, it must be 1 a.m. The lesbians are punching. So it was they just, just they kind of like. They started charging in mission, you know? They could have made some was, money. No, actually, no, because it was a really sloppy, shitty fight. <laughs> it wasn't even that impressive. Uh, that happened, and then the one cinema wasteland I was at Saturday night, right almost exactly at midnight, the power went out. Oh, and that place mm. that place went to Lord of the Flies in about <laughs> ten minutes. So much so that I went out in the parking lot. And I swear to God, there was a fucking fire eater in the parking lot. <laughs> and I'm like, where did this? What did this? I? That's I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed, and I'm putting um, a chair against the door. Yeah, I've been there to one was- where um. Where uh, somebody's pulled a fire alarm. Oh, that's oh, yeah. happened. Oh, yeah. That's happened. That happen. A lot of them. A lot of them. I haven't yeah. had that happen. I did. I did go to Maryland with a friend once to a show. There was a big Return of the Living Dead reunion, and um, I, I will say that this guy. It was one of those people who really had a hard time picking up social cues with people. That like they were trying to politely exit the conversation, and he would just kind of keep it going. Uh, and at one point, Alan Troutman he's talking to him about the tar man and like, you know, this and that. And he says, you know, Alan goes, you know, I really, um, I just have to excuse myself from an, I'll be right back. I just, I have to run to the restroom, but I'll come back and, you know, we can keep talking. I just, I really have to go to the bathroom. And this dude starts following him to the bathroom. (laughs) Oh no. And he's trying to like go, yeah, no, no, we can talk when I get back. I'm like, and he's walking with them and he's like, and he finally goes, I, I, I really need you to just, not come with me because i really don't want you coming into the bathroom with me while i'm trying to take care of my business Mm -hmm. like please just like stop and he was like oh oh i'm sorry i wasn't gonna go in with you you know i was just gonna wait out here for you and he's like yeah that's 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 too much you need (laughs) to like you really just need to go like i'll meet you at the table like really should have just stayed there but and uh it was actually to the point where they had a vip mixer party and i you know again like i was very fortunate and the people the movies i love are become very friendly with i became very friendly with that cast pretty easily because i was their booze mule i would go to the liquor store across the street and bring them back in alcohol so they could loosen up (laughs) because the show wouldn't let them drink so i'd go grab them a bottle i sneak it in so i became their friend real quick so they all brought me to the vip party and they're like your friend's not coming is he and i said i I don't know where he is and i felt super awkward i was like he drove here like this is really weird like they're specifically asking me not to tell him and then he walks by the room and he sees me standing in there and he waves and i wave back and i'm like oh shit it's too late he's coming in 
<laughs> they had to let him in and like but they were just like he wouldn't stop talking about the movie over and over and over again they're like oh my god dude like we love it we love you but like there's an off switch you know at some point there's mm-hmm. an off switch and like i could picture this guy like at, in like their hotel room like lying in the bed going so that scene where you did this and just <laughs> out of nowhere lights are off it's dead quiet and then he just starts talking out of the corner of the room like just waiting all night for them to get there but um, yeah, and, then, and then cut to that guy being thrown out of a six floor window <laughs> ah, what about that scene where you were at the <laughs> i mean you guys know you guys know me the the problem with me is i'm not one to mince words and really? uh, oh. and uh, so it's like it's hard for me. Like I, you know, I was sitting at like uh, John Casir's table with him at Son of Monster Palooza, and he's like in the middle of talking to a fan. And the thing is, is like I try to watch myself because <laughs> I don't want to speak on behalf of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he's in the middle of talking to somebody. And this guy randomly comes up. He's like, hey, John, nice to see you. You remember me? I did this and this and this. And I kind of just look at the guy like, and he walks away. And John's like, I have no clue who that was. (laughs) And then John left, I think, for a photo op. And the guy comes back and just starts talking to me and like looking at all the pictures on John's table. He's like, oh, yeah, this was great, huh? Oh, wasn't this great? And I just said, yep. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Until he went away. So it's like you just can't engage, really. Yeah. Um. And then there was a guy walking around with like a he was in a Ghostbusters costume. There's always and, a guy in a Ghostbusters. Yeah, costume. real original, right? And uh, oh god, what? <laughs> what? Nothing. Keep and going. and uh, you know he was waiting in line, and you know John records a lot of um. Like you know, messages and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And um and so he's recording and this guy has a f- the freaking ghost bass whatever it is, proton pack or whatever the hell it's called. Mm-hmm. And uh and he has like a boom box in it, so he's playing music. <laughs> and I and there's people like who are getting like recorded recordings done by John. I finally had to get up and I'm like, dude. Like people are paying to get these, to get these messages recorded, and you have your stupid fucking boombox on. Like, turn it <laughs> off. I was nice about it, believe it or not. He was very apologetic, but it's like that's common sense. And like yeah. people who are waiting in line yeah. were like, "Oh my god, thank you for saying something," because these people are like paying a lot of money to get this thing recorded, and it's it's like it's common sense. Mm. Yeah, and then so you got the people who like when well, then you got the people who are like, oh, we're record we record a podcast and oh, can you do an intro can you record an introduction for us? And and they want it for free. Right. And then finally I just was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like no. like if you if you want it, you then pay for it. Yeah. You don't get nothing for free. Fuck off. <laughs> well no it's like they show up and they have like a little oh, camera crew with them and yeah, shit and, yeah. and it's like there there were some people who showed up who were like oh we're starting a our own network in canada and i'm it's like no you're not um they're like oh <laughs> can you record it can you record Niagara an intro Falls. can you record an intro but they came out of nowhere and this was kind of near the beginning of the show 
And so I didn't say anything because again, I didn't want, they were his fans and I, and I'm not going to speak on his behalf. Um, and he just did it because he was like, you know, he just did it because he's like, whatever, it, 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 it's easier to just do it. And then, you know, they'll leave. And, uh, but I told him, I said, well, going forward, if that happens, you know, I'm going to tell them to, to fuck off, you know? <laughs> and, uh, that's what I did. But I was nice about it because he's a nice guy. So I didn't want to represent him with my general, uh, uh What's a good word for it? I don't want to say the C word. Disposition? Sure. Sure. That works. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, Negativity the general rule of thumb here is if you see Melanie Mullen at anybody's table at a convention, do not engage. <laughs> it's, it's just not yeah, a good idea. If it's you value gonna, your soul, work out well for you. don't do it. I'm it's very, I'm get... very nice to everyone who comes to the tables, unless they're just straight up stupid. Now she's gonna get <laughs> Billy Zabka's agent's comes. phone number and like make sure that she's at his table so anyone sees. Like, nope, she's awful. We gotta walk away. That's right, he's all mine. Oh no, I'm a total sweetheart to everyone except all the stupid motherfuckers. Well, there's some yeah. crazy people out there. There are yes. The, oh, there are. There's super there are fan. Super fans out there. Oh, super oh, fan. God. Well, we got to talk about the super fan because this, I'm not going to lie. I would. Re- I really hope I run into the, that guy. This, at a convention this was a really sometime. funny story. Oh my God. So we were. There's a group of us that the super fan. Uh, that play uh, Friday the Thirteenth, and there was a. There's a <laughs> Mel, as she mentioned on our last show, is one of the producers on the Sleepaway Camp documentary, and there's this fan who apparently was very appalled that he was not asked to participate in said documentary and also really upset that he was not going to be allowed to be in the room while interviews are being recorded for the documentary. And this, this got him banned from the show where these guests were going to be, which prompted him to call himself the super fan of the (laughs) sleepaway camp franchise. And then he sent our friend a picture of this oh, mannequin he had made to look like Pamela Springsteen. Yeah. This lopsided. Like, who looked like Pamela fan. Springsteen if she was carved out of cream cheese. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, it was terrifying. And all I could picture was... was the one time, the one time Pam Springsteen comes out of the woodwork and does a show. He this shows motherfucker's up. gonna show up with this goddamn mannequin, <laughs> and she's gonna go into another planet. She's gonna be the one of the people that goes off to Mars. Like, nope, fuck it, I'm done, I'm out. See ya. Get but me I'm on the see- shuttle, Angela. Wait, I'm your super fan. Oh god, that's what that he was, sounded like. Was, was, yeah, he started, was. He was doing like that voice, and I didn't know he sounded like that. I just guessed, and he does. Yeah, he yeah. sounds just like that. And uh, yeah, cool. no, I just, I just, it was like. He was upset because, you know, again, he was like, oh, I want to be there for the filming. And we were like, no. And we were like, if you want to meet them, they'll be signing autographs and and you can wait in line. And he was like, oh, but I'm the super fan. I can't I can't just wait in line with (laughs) with every other fan. And we're like, uh, yes, you can. But I have an individual. (laughs) I mean, I'll bring my hand to the door with me. I normally wouldn't even like yet, like you know, think it was funny. But he started sending these really angry messages where he was basically oh, yes. shrilling at our friend because he, at that point, 
had gotten him banned from the show because of his behavior. And, you know, it was just like, and like, he was basically threatening to just show up. Like, and it didn't matter. I'm coming. I'm going to come and be the enemy. You can't keep me away, Mikey. I'm going to be a super, I'm just super fierce. And I just, I just, (laughs) we we were losing it because he was playing these messages and we just kept dying. Yeah. And then when we saw the picture of the damn mannequin, I oh, I almost wall. I almost did a wellness check on Pamela Springsteen myself. I was like, "Fuck this girl!" You know, like she better move to another continent. She better because like, even without seeing it, you know he's fucking it. And there's a shrine somewhere. <laughs> you you know that that's there's he's no way it. this there is no way this is a platonic relationship. Yeah. I wish uh, I could find the thread because I think our our friend made screenshots uh, shots of the chat and he and posted them on and posted them on facebook basically saying this is not the way to get what you this is not how you get what you want and then the guy started responding and then i think i actually responded to him like you have sex with that thing don't you (laughs) (laughs) and he was like no angela's a virgin (laughs) that is not the answer you should have given (laughs) that's I was like, oh yeah, no, no, I, I, I love her. She's my Angela, and I'm just super fan. Oh, super no. fan. But I was waiting for him to show up. I was there. Oh, I, I, yeah. he's out there somewhere, just wandering the. Street. He was well. I think, I think, I think he was banned from the Days of the Dead convention because this was happening. I think before the convention. Yeah, and yeah. so he would, and so he had got, so he ended up getting banned. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm sure he'll enjoy the documentary, which I think is coming out very soon. <laughs> uh, it'll come out sometime. Yeah, maybe it'll come out right before the Night of the Demon. I saw some filming. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, let's move on. Um, so yeah, I mean, cons are, you know, as we said before, they're great. And we're, you know, uh, do you guys have a con that exists now that you consider to be a favorite? Is there something that you, you make it a point that you're there every year? Hell no. Or you yeah, mean like, aside from the- <laughs> what do I go to every year regardless of what's going yeah, on? Yeah, it's like become your favorite. Is there a favorite? Oh, yeah, Mad Monster Party in Charlotte. That, to me, that's the best one to go on. It's close. They always got good gas, good vendors. It's, it's the best one, I think. Kevin, are they still, where do they, do they hold it up by the university now? Or are they back downtown? or? No, it's, by the, it's still by the university. Oh, okay. It's by the mall. Oh, okay. Okay. Balsher, you? Um, for the longest time, I haven't been able to go as much the last year, year and a half, but it was Cinema Wasteland in Ohio. I was at every single one for the longest time. I even went to the one that they held the week of 9-11 um, because it was just, you know, everyone wanted to be there to try to kind of recoup from that. And uh, it's just a really, it's a small show. It's about 2,000, 2,500 people through the door, but it's like a family show. Mm. It's the type of show that I love the most. Um, so that's the one that always comes to mind. Although I must admit, uh, Living Dead Weekend in the Monroeville Mall has become a really fun show, too. Because yeah. it's so uni- it's, it's unique. Yeah. There's no other show quite like that. That's the that- two I want to go to the most. Oh, yeah, you'd that- have a... Kevin, you'd have a blast. I know. A- that one, Living Dead Weekend, is honestly at this point... It, if you had asked me, you know, three or four years ago, it would have been rock and shock hands down. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know, and, and Monster Expo is getting up there too. You know, Monster Expo is still new. It's it's you know it's garnering its following. They're finding their footing. 
um you know in the sense that you know they're they're getting that audience built up you know and that's a great show i love that show um it was you know both times i've been it's been a lot of fun so uh that's happening in april i'm stoked about that but living dead weekend for me is the convention that i kind of like i'm starting to plan my year around mm-hmm. like i start to make sure that like okay i'm going to be able to hit this one up and that specifically the monroeville one uh because that is the show where you go there and every year it's like people who haven't seen you in a year are like oh my god it's great to see you that's There's, a family reunion show yeah a hundred percent i mean like yeah. you know i can name 15 people off the top of my head that i only see that one time and they make it feel like that i no time has passed mm-hmm. um you know uh chris stavarkis oh yeah 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 um you know he seriously like, just awesome guy always gives you a fucking hug every time he sees you there's always a hug involved. chris i met chris um, at the first cinema wasteland in 2000 that's where i first met him yeah and we became friends in five minutes yeah no, he's <laughs> awesome it's just yeah he's a great dude he's a real great dude yeah he's great um so i mean you know it's it, that's my, that's probably my and kevin i think this year because it's the dawn of the dead 45th anniversary mm. i think kevin you got to make it a point to get up to that show this year yeah you really got to go yeah all right i'll make I'll, I'll, no seriously i'll make if you come up uh there's plenty get, of hotels around the area the the, the, yeah, the hotel yeah. near the show is cheap the hotel down the street from the show is affordable like it's a great time there i really don't know of other shows like it really honestly it's just yeah. where well, so you're you, actually in the location they shot the movie at right you know that is and that Lago. is cool yeah i'm going <laughs> i'll be there my plan That's is to it. be there yeah. All right. Know. Let's go. Mel, get on a plane. Let's go. I'm oh, driving. Come oh, come on, guys. We want to have a good time. <laughs> That's true. Mel, stay home. Uh, <laughs> like, this is stupid. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I think, you know, I think we've 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 tackled and, and run the gamut of convention speak. I don't think that there's uh, there's anything left. I can't. There's any number of stories we could all tell. I'm sure. Of course, like yeah. There's three more. hours. I, I, but, I'm sure there's more. But you but, know, I think. Um, we, but yeah. uh, I, I think I'll leave it on. You know, I'll end my my converse, uh, conversation on conventions with this. Is, um, you know, conventions for horror fans are are, are really kind of like our. They really are. I keep using this because it, it is a hundred percent what it feels like. But in a way, it's not because I feel like people dread family reunions. But to us, it is the family <laughs> yeah. reunion that you really, really like. You have the best family, and you just can't wait to see. It's everybody. our select. It's our chosen family. Our chosen yeah. family. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Because it really is, and I mean that's what we look forward to. And you know the the you know getting to meet the guests and you know start to building uh you know um you know, rapports with them and, you know, seeing them over and over again, they start to remember your name. And it's just like, you know, when someone like Tom Savini recognizes you and says, hi, Chris, how's it going? Like your heart skips a little bit. Cause that's still a person who had an impact on your life in some way. So it's great. And conventions give us the opportunities to be able to have those conversations and meet those people and whether they're happy to be there or not, hopefully most of them are. And the people who are excited enough to meet them get a great experience out of it. Um, you know, so I love them. I hope they stick around. I know there was a period of time where they were like, yeah, these might be a thing of the past. They may not happen anymore. Um, it comes COVID, in waves. You well, know, COVID took a lot of things away yeah. from people. And I think right. that was one of the things we thought was going to be off the table. But since COVID and the vaccines and people are able to go out, the conventions are starting to get their attendance is like tripling because people are being able to go out again and they're looking forward to it. And, you know, and I think that that's helping. So. Uh, hopefully they stick around and we get to experience them for many, many years to come. Yes, I agree. 
Eh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I we got to give Mel credit for not just being someone who follows the leader. You know, she's she's going to speak her mind no matter what it is. and That's why she's here. Yeah. Even if it's a simple, yeah. <laughs> it's just, that's fine. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to this first episode of 2023. We're glad you chose to spend some time with us and reminisce about conventions and whatnot. Um, we have a great year planned for you guys. We have some more reunions coming up that we're going to do, some more mm-hmm. cast reunions. Uh, we got a couple of new ideas we're going to throw in the mix, too. Uh, we're, we're expanding our network a little bit, so we'll get some more details out there for you folks when that starts to develop. But uh, we're really excited. This year, I, I think 2022 was a big year for us, and 2023 is going to be even bigger. So, um, And that is largely because you guys keep coming back for more. So thank you for being a part of this journey with us. We appreciate it. And uh, I don't know. Anything else, you guys? I think that's it. I, I agree, and I'm looking forward to seeing what 2023 uh, holds for all of us. All right. Kevin? Um. I'm with you. Can't wait. <laughs> and I'll I'll just do my eh. 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 Same shit. New year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. And as always, keep it spooky. Keep spooky. Iron Beach Jeff. Oh. Today's. <laughs>